from tragedy to triumph. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Tragedy to Triumph. I'm your host, Aaron Lane, a man in long-term recovery who has dreams and aspirations of doing big things. Now, I've been clean and sober since 2016, and I believe everything that happened up to that point has shaped the man that I am today. On a daily basis, we hear tragic stories, and our goal is to present you with amazing success stories of people who have gone from tragedy to triumph. My guest today is my good friend, Daniel Ritchie, and Daniel... Before we get into this amazing story of your use, your abuse, everything in between in your life yeah. today, why don't you give the listeners an idea of what you're all about? Um, my name is Daniel Ritchie. I'm 37 years old. I'm a father of a beautiful little baby girl, a bonus dad of another uh, seven-year-old and a five-year-old boy. I used to be a, one of the top amateur fighters in this country at one time, and I fell into some uh, some addiction. And, and uh, you know, today I'm here to spread that message of hope out to our, our listeners. It's amazing when people come in here, right? And what their life is like today. Your life, knowing you, your life is amazing. And you have a lot of service work and all of these things. But before we get to that, why don't we rewind the clock a bit? Uh, give us an idea of where you're from. How did you grow up? I was born in uh, Rochester, New York, to uh, my father uh, and mother, obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> two dads. I was born to <laughs> but two my, dads. My dad was an uh, Eagle Scout, and he was an uh, Army veteran. My mother is, was a Latin teacher. And, Do you know uh, any Spanish? On oh, no, the Latin, that Latin, Latin like, okay, e pluribus unum. You know what? I remember one word. Dude, I took Latin. I don't remember any yeah. of it. My like, mom used to I was tell me fraud. when the kids would pick on me, she said, just tell them their pulpitude's showing. Their pul- and I'd be like, well, it didn't work. But no, apparently it means their beauty. you seem like a dork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your beauty is I, showing? Yeah. Gosh. So that they would get mad. You got for picked me on them. then because if you, <laughs> I remember my mom when I was a kid because I was a big, you know, I was bigger. Yeah. And the kids used to make fun of me like you're fat. My mom said, just go tell them that you're you're stocky, right? And I I walked up to the kids like I'm cocked. That's what I said. And he was like, okay, co- like a gun or like a yeah. wiener or like I don't you say that nowadays. They're going to clear the school out, right? I'm co- yeah, re- cocked. I'm ready to go. Yeah. No, but so all right. So you're this. These are your mm-hmm. parents, and you yeah. grew up where here in Cincinnati. Yep, and we right? uh, moved to Cincinnati when I was a kid. Uh, so you don't really remember everything, kind no, of. Prior to not that. no, not really. No, I've I mean I've gone back to New York um, since then. And you're talking uh, about my age, like but, upstate yeah. New York, yeah, right? upstate, New York City. upstate. Got you. Oh, you yeah. said Rochester. Yeah. So. so and then uh, you know I've lived in Cincinnati since in a you know suburb called Finneytown, Springfield Township area. And that was what type of neighborhood? Like regular suburbs uh, or yeah, a nice middle mix? class, lower middle class. You know, um, it was a pretty pretty good mix of a neighborhood. You know, working class for sure. So working class, and mm-hmm. you know, would you like run the neighborhood? Like you were a kid. Yeah, ran the neighborhood. You know, played war with my friends. We would run around the backyards. You know, go up and leave in the morning, pretty much, and be gone all day till. Till the streetlights came on. <laughs> I think that that's something that's yeah. almost like uh, it rings true because we're mm-hmm. roughly the same age, yeah. right? And a lot of kids that that I grew up with, uh, or that you know, people that I know today that are my age have experienced that. Like boys will be boys playing, uh, you know, uh, in the street until the you know uh, until the sun went down and lighting fires yeah. and going in the woods and building go karts and all of that stuff, skateboarding yeah. and. Uh, you know, boys stuff. Yeah, street you know, hockey. You right, know. so so you played street hockey. Loved I loved street hockey. I was a phenomenal hockey player. Oh, I'm sure you're yeah. just saying that. So that I know. was, man. In what way? Like what? what <laughs> I was just better than all the kids on the street. Okay, well, yeah. that's fair enough. There may be some that want to <laughs> differ, but I doubt it. 
<laughs> so playing street yeah. hockey, yeah. living in you know lower middle class. Um, what else? I mean, like so that so far so good. Really, you just sound like yeah. a normal kid. Not bad. You know, it was uh, not bad at all. I was, a, I was on the swim team growing up. We had a neighborhood swim. I was, I was a phenomenal swimmer. Also, a set You're record. Just an athlete swim. by trade. Yeah, Let's very, just very. Yeah, I was a very athletic kid. Okay. Um, not so good in school though. I was in you know special classes as early as I can remember. When you say special, are you like LD? Like like, like hooked to... on phonics. Really? Yeah, and like didn't didn't learn how to read. Um, I was very rebellious at a young age. Like I think don't think it's a, that I couldn't. It's I wouldn't. Really? Yeah. So that was something at a young age that started. So not good in school, good at sports. Good at sports. Good at sports. And you just, you didn't want to do well is what you're saying. I don't know. I just did not. Was that frustrating? Yeah, it was very frustrating from when I would sit down and try to write something or when I would sit down and try to read something, I would get very frustrated. Were you are you dyslexic or anything? No, I don't think I'm dyslexic. I don't know what I don't know. Like, you know, they diagnosed me as ADD. My mom has took me to counselors and were you on medication? I was on medication. I was on Ritalin. At what age? Young as I can remember as early as I can remember. Well and you know what, while I understand the efficacy of medication yeah. like that for people who have ADHD and uh, that it can calm them down. It also can cause other behavioral problems on top of it I because agree. of yeah. the amphetamine aspects and yeah. and what it does and changes a personality and your brain is still developing and all these different things. Yeah. Not to say it's right or wrong. You no. know, I have my 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 opinions on it is that it works for some kids and it can create issues in other kids, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and this idea of like addiction, because this is what the show's about. The show's yeah. about having addictions yeah. and getting through them. Is that things like that can actually spearhead addictions because you un. Uh, end up self-medicating because you don't like the way the Ritalin or Adderall make you feel, or you really do like the way they make you feel. But it it, it kind of like dual diagnosis. You know what's funny is I don't remember feeling anything. Interesting. Yeah. Like I don't remember like feeling any more focused. You don't feel like rageful though. I know that. I I was always a, maybe, maybe that would explain a lot, but I don't know. I, at a young age, I was, had always had an obsession with like, Old time boxers or or whatever any type of violence. I have World War Two movies, you know, and that's probably might be common for kids, you know. Yeah, when you're but, a boy, yeah, like but, I love GI yeah. Joe and stuff. Yeah, GI Joe, but I don't think that was it. It was more I was like very physical kid. Like I would, if like, fight like I would fight a kid. Like I was no, it wasn't like we would just trash talk. I would fight you. Like, like I immediately, did, no thought pr- about it. Pretty much, maybe like a few words, but it was. Okay, we're fighting. So you're you were yeah. aggressive. Then. Very yeah, I was an aggressive child. Yeah, and so here you are in the neighborhood, and you had friends. Oh yeah, but you were you you like to fight other kids. Yeah, I love to fight other kids. And how long? Like, what age is this starting? If you can remember, Man, I don't even know. I mean, I remember were you like eight, nine, beating up like my parents got me this stuffed clown that was as big as me when I was a That's kid. That's already scaring me. Yeah, anyway. but, and I would just <laughs> beat it up. Just beat it, beat the hell and back, throwing it, slamming it on his head, you know, like just suplexing a, it, punching it in the face. Spaz, dude. Like just like it is, and that's one of my f- earliest memories, you know. And uh, just beating up a clown, doll. beating up a clown doll. Maybe they did that. Like the fact that your parents bought you a clown, out of all things you could possibly <laughs> get a child, let's just cause a bunch of emotional scarring as uh, you get older. So fighting and uh, yeah. W- I mean, would you pick fights, or is it more like you were defending? I wouldn't say I would pick fights, but if somebody did something one time to, that I didn't like, 
Like, let's say somebody like, because all the kids in the neighborhood, we were all like the same age. Like the kids I grew up with were the same age. We had little brothers who were all the same age. Um, and it, so like if somebody did something to one of the little brothers, like that didn't you live on the personal. street or something, I took it personally gotcha. and I would never let it go. Like wow. every time I saw you, I would come after you or I would like, try to even pick though a fight you've with already you. fought even, them. Yeah. In most cases, yeah. It's kind of crazy. Usually I fought kids maybe three or four times. I mean, and just beat them every single eh, time. You know, some- most of the time. I think, I mean, I got sand thrown in my eye one time, you know, and just, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. But, yeah, it was like I couldn't let anything go. Did you ever, like, get your nose broken as a kid no. or anything? No. Like- uh, I got a tooth chipped one time. Like your baby tooth? No. Or- so you already hit Yeah, this, this front tooth. So, okay, so you're nine years old, <laughs> ten. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. And you got your front. Yeah. Picture. Did that embarrass you though? After like, did it I've, chip enough that it? Oh, it was, get it was repaired. Chi- oh yeah, it's it's a fake tooth. Period. Wow. They had to grind it down. Put the. You know what I mean? What is your so? Okay. Trying to get an idea yeah. here, right? So I don't so, think my parents really knew how, how to could deal they not with me. That, well, they didn't know how to deal. I mean, with they okay. punished me. They did. You know what I mean? But it was like I, I don't know. I don't when know. you get would get punished, we just get grounded. Yeah. Would you just... Oh, no. My mom had a wooden spoon. Oh, really? So oh. she would, in turn, she'd spank you. Oh, yeah. You know, it's so different today. Like, kids don't really get spankings no. anymore. My dad... I remember being deathly afraid of my dad yeah. when he came down. My mom, if I talked back to her, she would open the hand smack me in the face. Yeah. And I remember oh, yeah, very quick that you do not disrespect your parents. Yep. Flat out, right? Yep. My dad would be... Uh, this is how that would work. My mom, we would... We would be bad or something that day. And I don't remember, like, we were never really bad children, but it, it, it would take something, maybe lying or hitting my brother. My dad would come home and he'd take us, like, he would hit us with the belt. And I can, I mean, <laughs> he's, it really started to, I mean, I it hurt. It I, remember, like, I mean, just, <laughs> yeah. there was a situation. Let me give you an example of the type of emotional abuse as a kid, right? So not only that, and this is not, because I love my dad and, there's a situation where my dad, he wouldn't get home until like much later at night. This is before my parents got divorced and all these things. And we'd always hear him uh, when he got home because his keys would hit the stove. That's where he put them all the time. And we'd run down, we'd give him a hug and, you know, talk to him like, you know, dad's home. Well, one time my dad brought three pieces of bubble or a bazooka bubble gum, right? You know, when they had a little comic wrapper around yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why would he have three pieces? They're obviously for us. So, like, I'm conspiring with my brothers, talking to my little brother, Eric. Like, Dad brought us gum. You know, talking to him. We all are convinced. We're just waiting for him to give it to us. And I'm hanging out with my dad and whatever. Next thing you know, he goes into the kitchen, which we're thinking he's going to get the gum. He walks in. He's like, where the hell is my gum? And I'm looking at my brother, Eric. We have no idea. Like, we thought he, that's where he was going in there. So he's like, uh-uh. Who stole my gum? That type of thing. And we're sitting. I'm like, no, we didn't steal it. We thought you were going to give it to us. And then all of a sudden, and you take a couple steps first. He's like, look, if you guys don't figure out who took my gum, you're going to have to eat dog food, right? And I'm crying. Eric's crying. Adam's like, one me, dad. My dad just sent Adam upstairs. Like, okay, well, obviously it wasn't you. It's going to either be Aaron or Eric. And I know I didn't do it, but here I am. My dad's making me eat dog food. Like, just like a dog biscuit, right? <laughs> <laughs> like a milk bone. <laughs> And I'm sitting there, I'm crying, like, why am I getting punished for something I didn't do? And I'm thinking, Eric, just tell him, I, you know, I know it wasn't me. And then Eric's like, it wasn't me either. And we're both sobbing and, like, gagging because we just ate dog food. And then he yells at Adam to come down. He's like, did you take the gum? You know, like your brother. And Adam's like, yeah. He's, <laughs> so I <laughs> just, 
I'll never forget that because Adam avoided having to eat dog food. Like, he didn't make him eat dog food, too. He just apologized to my brother and I. And uh, that's, that's, huh. that's messed up. I don't know why I brought that up other than, I didn't say emotion boost, but the fact that I remember that yeah. as a situation. This is how it was growing up before my parents got divorced. Yeah. My dad's, I remember holding on to that for a long time. Like, yeah. what kind of dad makes their child eat dog food? And it was a milk, but it wasn't even that big of a deal looking back. But my point is, on one hand, you can't make kids do that today because you'll end up in prison. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't, you know, take a switch off the tree and smack your child. Yeah. But I so get chased around the street by my mom with a wooden spoon, and the neighbors are like, kid better stop running. Right. You know what I mean? And that's kind of that whole, <laughs> like, that's, a, uh, takes a village different. thing, too, right? Yeah, it was different. Yeah. Well, so now we've established that. It is yeah. It is okay. different. We are a little bit older, um, yeah. you know, well, compared to some people we're younger, yeah. but whatever. And your parents didn't have any control over you, and yet you're and you're running around the streets, and you're you're getting in the fights, and you're not doing well in school, but you like sports. I mean, what is this like? What starts to happen now? Like moving forward, like is that just? Um, I just tried to you, know, I just uh, I mean, I would try to focus on sports, but I felt like I couldn't, I didn't fit in with those guys. It was like I would try. I was a I was a catcher on the on this baseball team, and it was really. It was a, it was a, ba- you know what I mean? A Fall Haber be- base, Fall Haber sponsored us, which they sponsored like this. So it was like a, a good baseball team. team, pretty much, yeah. Okay. And I was on this young age. I was a catcher, and um, you were good enough to be on the team. Yeah, yeah. I was, but a you catcher. didn't feel part. Of. I just didn't feel a part of it. And what, like you just? Because I, I know this is a common theme with yeah. people that are in recovery that yeah. have suffered from it. That there's always been this feeling of I don't fit in or less than. Yeah, like I just didn't. I, I don't know. I had self esteem issues at a young age. Do you think you had to? Re- re- Revolved around like the grades and that I don't know because I would just kill it in gym class. I was a I was a really good athlete. It was like that was my element. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but like, I know how kids are. But, like kids, it gets important when you get in high school and stuff. Yeah, but if you seem to be dumb, I would be frustrated because I could I didn't understand why I couldn't get it. So I even at a young age I was looking for excuses. Oh, it's because I'm in a public school. The next gotcha. door neighbors go to a private school. It must be because I go to a public school. You know, it must be I'm just stupid. Well, you, you know? did already admit that you were in LD classes, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and so there was a component, and that was yeah. probably embarrassing. And so, like, you're, well, no, if I'm just, yeah. I'm trying to picture this in my yeah. mind's eye of what it's like being you as a kid who likes to fight, who likes sports, who's not good in school, who doesn't feel quite as equal as the other kids, and why that reason is. And maybe we can't figure out in this podcast. Yeah. But it's something this is, that has existed in you for a very long yeah, time. Yeah. And if you can pinpoint that yeah. at your age of 37, it's a pretty amazing thing. Yeah. Because I, I, I guess it doesn't go anywhere, right? It didn't no. go anywhere, and it snowballed into other things. Yeah. So now, as you get a little bit older and you get to, like, high school, like, what, what were um, you doing? Like, what was I remember, like? Uh, like, I, you know, as the older you get, you know, you're hitting puberty. You're already confused. I had acne. Uh, I remember riding the school bus though, my first like time going to in middle school and seeing the kids smoking on the corner, and I just remember being like, "Those kids are so cool, really." They're smoking on the corner. They have trench coats. They look shady, you know. Like I was just like they, they look excite. Like it looked exciting what they were doing. Like that was exciting to me. I played football, you know. I tried to play football in the, in, in middle school. But again, same thing as when I was younger. I didn't feel like I fit in with those guys. But those guys on the corner looked like that was appealing to me. Yeah, they, they, there was girls standing around them. The girls were cute. 
You know, it was just like they they were rebellious, and that was and they like, were cool I felt to you. like yeah, and that was cool to me. Like hmm. I felt like that's where I belonged. And what did you just go and say hi? My name's Daniel. Let's be no, friends. Or? Um, <laughs> you know, I I met a kid who he lived right down the street from the school. He ended up being one of my best friends for years. But okay. um, great great guy, good heart. Just you know, just same same thing as me. So I think he had the same issues that I do, and he did end up having a lot of the same issues I did. But um. And I remember standing around, and, and I and I kind of, like, started hanging out with a couple of those kids. Like, I went to church with a couple of them, actually. They ended up coming oh. to the church. And, and they one of them had an older brother, so he got in with those guys because they were all older than me. And um, and I remember him going, uh, hey, man, you want a cigarette? And pulling out a c- – and just offering me a cigarette. And I was like, this is my best friend. Right. You know, like <laughs> – and – um. It was just like I, before that I had dabbled in, you know, let me back up just a little. No, you're fine. I had dabbled in and, you know, I'd started stealing uh, like the little airplane liquor things out of my parents' cabinets. How old? 12? <sighs> yeah, probably 10. Sometimes around really? 10, 11 or 12. Um, so and I would try to like get the other kids. And one of the next door neighbors, was they were Irish and they drank a lot. So I would like get into their liquor cabinet and I would sip, you know, and I it was just like I felt – a certain way like I don't really remember being drunk but I remember feeling a certain way you know what I mean like I felt more energetic or I felt like dangerous right and maybe there's yeah. an adrenaline to it too, adrenaline because, would because probably be the best I think that's yeah. the best way to, to accommodate yeah. that because I can remember like mixing my parents alcohol like when my parents got divorced my dad would have like uh, vodka and scotch and all these different yeah. things I go there and make a trip around the world yeah. Um, and I would, and we would drink yeah. it because that's the only way to not get, yeah. you know, to have them find those things out. Yeah. We also used to steal his Coke, not cocaine, but yeah. his two layers of Coke. And my dad used to tie them on real tight. So he would know if we took it off. So now when I close a two liter, I close it way too tight for anybody to get, to take off because uh-huh. of growing up and trying to put it back on. So my dad didn't find out. But, um, so you were already kind of experimenting and but not a lot. I mean, just no. here and there. And this yeah. is okay. So, but you know, now we were, in high we school, we were smoking cigars in the woods and stuff. Like you know, we would find one or yeah, like cigarette sold them to us or... at like twelve. Did you ever so. drink like gin growing up? I did. Gin was like it seemed like there was always the little airplane bottles of gin, and <laughs> I saw the Snoop Dogg video, gin and juice, so oh gin God. and juice. So you know, you're that like, Let's was do it. Great. So you, know, so you so. got one. We have one person that likes gin. Yeah, so, I guess. Well, you just maybe liked its effects. Yeah. But now ninth. Okay, ninth yeah. grade though. Yeah. And you meet this guy, so, and he's yeah. like, he's like, want a cigarette? And you're like, yeah. well, yeah. I'm. So, so you already thought he was cool anyway. Yeah. So and this guy always had parties. He always had people over, and he had In ninth grade. Oh was he yeah, a little bit older? Eighth, eighth, eighth grade. This kid ended up dropping out real young, so oh, I don't. I couldn't even not tell you. Surprised. I really don't know. I think he was like a year older than me. He probably seemed cool to you. He was right? super cool. Said- like his parents let him do whatever he wanted. Um, there was always people over there. Uh, they would smoke weed. They were, they seemed like they were having fun. They would get drunk. They would walk in the streets at night. And uh, what's it about the lack of rules that's so appealing to people? I don't know. Like kids, but it's not everybody. I no, I to find but out. Like, but you yeah, know what? yeah. I just – I see this theme yeah. in that a lot of people that I've talked to, that there was this draw to people that were doing, you know, whether it was mm-hmm. drinking or using or just like – I mean, I see – not in every circumstance. Yeah. But everybody I've talked to has obviously had some type yeah. of addiction moving forward or at yeah. a young age. Like I was just trying to find myself 
pretty much. And it seemed like that's where I found myself. Okay. And it was like, I, I have. So and you were accepted for who you were. I was were, accepted. As opposed to like yeah. trying to be somebody else. Because yeah. you talked about being on a And they team. fought. They got in fights and stuff. And well, I loved to fight people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I loved that. I, you it was know, like a street it turns out I think I just lo- I love adrenaline. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, we could get to that in a little bit, but, uh, and, um, you know, and it just spiraled. I, I saw these guys selling, selling drugs, you know, and I, that was even more, I want to be a drug dealer. Right. They have well, money. They have the girls. Have Cause power, I didn't feel like respect. I was a very good looking kid. They had respect. Every, I mean, they always had people around them. People were picking them up in cars. I want to be a drug dealer. So I, uh, bought some weed and I cut it with catnip. Really? Because my parents had cats. Catnip looked like weed. Didn't pan out as well as I wanted it to, but it kind of got me in the door. So your first batch of weed you cut with I catnip. I cut with catnip. And then people still buy it from Yeah. Because, you know, they're, like, they're middle school kids. I sold the preppy kids and, and anybody. Like pencil and, shaving, and then like And then if they <laughs> wanted to come back at me, let them. Right, whatever. You know, no, and, and that's, I, that's the way my mind was, you know. It was, and, um... That I only did that a couple of times. Well, that matter. But. I just look at it as it's just funny yeah. to see like <laughs> you doing this, yeah. and I can in my head see you as a teenager wanting to be a you know this big drug dealer. And the only way to really make money because I'm sure you're not getting it at, at like the cheapest yeah. price. But in order to make a profit, you're like, well, what can I put in it yeah. that's not weed, but it looks like it? Put catnip. No one complains. You got over on them. You have money in your pocket. You're gonna what re up and get Re-up, more. Yeah. So there was there's a snowball effect to this. Yeah. And these people that you're hanging out with, you love them. You think I mean like they're they accept you for who you are, yeah. and you want to kind of be like them too. Mm-hmm. So there's this desire to fit in, and also an acceptance of that yeah. that revolves around a lifestyle that's encouraged with drugs and alcohol. So yes. keep going, brother. Um. So you know, I I just uh, I started selling more weed, and um. Just uh, you know, I got pretty, pretty decent, pretty fast because I would, I was, uh, I've always been a very good. I've, I don't know why, but like I always was good at getting people to like me, or maybe I was likable. I'm not really sure which one, but I always, I, I was able to procure business. Let's say okay in that respect. Okay, yeah. I get what you're so saying. So I would go to school with an ounce in my sock of dime sacks, and it would be all gone by the time I left. Well, you're also. Selling drugs. I mean, yeah, kids, I'm selling yeah. weed, and and I would we would sell popular. I would break up weed inside a desk with the teacher, and like if somebody wanted a twenty, and I only had two tent dimes or something. You're like, ruthless. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I I don't know how I got away with that because weed smells so strong. But right. I got away with it, and um, you know, and I had enough people that if the school wanted to search me, I could get that off to somebody real fast. Did that the ever happen? For me. Yeah, it happened once or twice. So they would what take like they, take, take you to office to and search you. Because you're not a good student, yeah. right? Not so no, right. not no, not really. And I would try. I was trying, but I wasn't a good student. It's no. kind of like almost like left behind. Like, like they were C's like, all right, and D's. Gotcha. Except so for gym class A's, barely passing. Yeah. Drug dealer, mm-hmm. fighter on the streets yeah. in high school, going to parties, yeah. parties making money too, making so, a lot of money. I was making a lot of money as a kid. Really? You know, yeah. Do you remember what was the craziest thing you bought as a teenager? Would you say like the? Oh, most- uh, I bought like a, uh, it's about nine thousand dollar watch, and I bought like a four thousand dollar pinky ring, and I used to try to make people kiss my pinky ring. 
They actually did it sometimes. Dude, I, the only time I, so. I remember buying a fake Tommy Hilfiger watch off, of, I was the worst because I would get yeah. high at Walnut Hills and I'd be baked. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be cool yeah. or whatever. And these like rich kids, this one kid sold me his Tommy Hilfiger watch because Tommy Hilfiger was really popular when I was in middle school. Yeah. And I bought it and it was fake, right? Mm-hmm. And here I am trying to get my money back. He's like, nah, someone sold it to me. It's making it's like the logo. Yeah. We're like, Tommy Hilfiger already doesn't make watches, and the logo is also crooked. And when I figured it out, I felt like, oh, I felt I was so mad. But yeah, and I mean, I bought jewelry. Was my I loved jewelry. You know, you have a pinky um, ring. You're like yeah. the Pope. It's so, or like a, a Don. The, the Don. Yeah. I thought I really thought I was the Don. I'm I'm making money. I got I got I'm I'm messing around at this point with some big 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 time bigger would time drug off, dealers. And, would you take off the rings before you would go home? Though, would you try and f- no no. I don't think what did my your parents think. My parents, you know, they weren't very happy. Um, I just think they thought it was a phase. Would have no, you know, I mean like to walk to have Oh, they a didn't very know how much it cost. They, they just think it was maybe fake. They just didn't know. They thought gotcha. it was just like they you know, and because my parents did not support my lifestyle at all. Well, no, I don't obviously ex- no good. I mean they're to. you know, and um but um you know, during this time too, I should probably point out that I, I was getting in trouble. I had my first. I had fought, tried to fight my dad at like fourteen, I think, and I got a domestic violence charge. Oh shit! So you're probably going to like, yeah. So and then on judge. top of that, I was I was in and out for curfew, uh, getting taken to twenty twenty, getting picked up by the police, a uh, little other stuff, um, another possession charge, uh, and um, so I was in and out of. Uh, um, like juvenile rehab type programs, outpatient. Dude, that's a pretty serious thing. Yeah, anger right? management classes because I was fighting people and, um, you know, and oh. I just felt like I knew how to play the system. Well, I so, won't act up for a little while. You I know, mean, I won't. All right, I'm. I, I feel like we're going, and we can keep yeah, the pace yeah, going. So, but yeah. I'm like trying to wrap my head around this. I mean, you go from, I mean, like, look, selling drugs in high school. I've heard a yeah. couple people on my show talk about that. I know it exists, but you now getting in trouble with that. You fight in your dad. Like, yeah. there's also, I mean, there's a lot of issues here, yeah. right? And we don't yeah. have to g- dissect e- every one of them, but the trajectory of your life is not looking good. No. And now you're going to 2020. I have never been, 2020 is in Cincinnati, Ohio, yeah, and it is a juvenile detention center. Mm-hmm. What was that experience like? Um, it sucked. <laughs> oh, I, would ho- I mean, the food's horrible. The staff's horrible. Uh, the other kids were horrible. Is there school there? Um, yeah, they make you take classes. So they make you stuff. take classes. Yeah. You're incarcerated. Yeah. And are you being rehabilitated or just not much rehabilitation? I don't think. Um, their idea of the real rehabilitation would have been the uh, anger management. You know, they okay. sentence you to counseling. I mean, they do have a juvenile prisons in Ohio. And um, how long was this happening? Okay, how long was that happening? This so you're like 14 years old. Yeah. You fight your dad. So you, give me a chronological. At, at 15, at 15, um, I got my first felony for for drug trafficking. And how did that? It was happen? actually two felonies of One, drug trafficking. Tell me how that happened. Right okay, first. so um, a guy that lived down the street, um, his name was uh, Mike. Okay. So he was a, he was a confidential informant. None of us knew that. Is he a grown man? He was a grown man. Okay. He uh, saw a couple of my friends, and obviously, you know, the potheads, and he the got him in his yeah. He got him in his he he told him to come in his garage. He had beer and stuff, so he he's sharing beer with these was kids. He like a pervert? 
No. Okay. I don't know. I no, really so I don't know. So he's just like a partier, kind of like a Yeah, an a, older guy, you know, um But in order to be a confidential informant, he probably he was already a troublemaker himself. Obviously, yeah. He okay, was, but he you was, didn't he, know was, he was he was a crackhead. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. Simple. Okay, and, he's a crackhead. Um, but, you know, he's talking to him. He's like, hey, can you guys get me this, this, and this? And they're like, well, yeah. And I remember them calling me, and I'm like, of course I can. So I meet this guy once. I think I sold him like two ounces. Um, I had a weird feeling about him right away because he came out of nowhere, and, and he's he left out of nowhere. Gotcha. It was like, where did he come from and where did he go? And you're already living this lifestyle, so you're a little yeah. bit more mindful of yeah. things that are unusual. Yeah. And he struck and I mean you. I'm already carrying a gun sometimes oh, or a shit, knife and dude. stuff you know and um, well, you're selling drugs it just yeah. comes with the lifestyle yeah and I was but, I was I was carrying some pretty big weight when I would so you're that. selling him two ounces of pot yeah okay yeah and he just as you say comes out of nowhere leaves out of nowhere like yeah this. and then I saw a cop car parked down the street but I walked by it and nothing happened okay and I still had about a pound of weed on me because I had just re-upped and. Um, but anyway, so the fact you're walking around with a pound of weed as a 15 year old kid is yeah. insane. And so he calls me again and like the same day, yeah, or like, no, a couple of days later or so. And he's talking and asking me like, can I get keys of Coke? Can I get all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of just like, I don't know, man. Like I don't really, you know, like, I, I mean, I kind of did, but I was like, it was just shady. Like, I'm just like, ah, oh, this is over the phone. A landline, like, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> right. And I'm just like, ah, oh, and you're 15, I can get you dude. whatever you want. You Got know what you. I'm saying? Like, you want to get the sale, too. Yeah, and I'm just like, but something didn't feel right. So, you know, I, I end up uh, getting with this guy again um, a few days later. and or, or within, this has all happened within maybe like a month or so. Okay. Or whatever. I don't even remember. But I remember the date. Actually, it was uh, November, uh, October 15th. And um, I think it was 96 or 97. Either way, and, uh, so but October anyway, yeah, 15th, yeah, so, he calls you up. He calls me up and he says, hey, man, can you sell me something? And I think it was like an ounce or two, two ounces. I'm like, yeah, I'm at my boy's house um, on Compton. Can you, you can pick me up. Or so he's like, well, yeah, we'll pick you up. So I run outside and it's a van. This, this like a pedo van, like a yeah, white like, panel like, van. No, that's no, candy no. It was like side. just like one of those vans, like with the fake tires on the back, gotcha. like a Ford okay. or whatever those are. You know, <laughs> nothing really too like a crackhead van. Yeah. So okay. I jump in the van, and I get in the get in the middle seat there, shut the sliding door, and I sit. And this Mike guy's in the passenger seat, and I look over at the driver's seat, and guess who I see? Officer Bly, this <laughs> cop that has been screwing with me for a while, dressed in plain clothes, driving the van. And I'm just like, I mean, at first it didn't click though. I, I was just kind of like. Where do I know this guy? You know what right. I mean. And then I'm like, holy shit! You're used to seeing him in his uniform. Yeah, well, yeah. And he was, but he was wearing like kind of you're looking dirtier, and he had a backwards right. cap on. And he looked back at me, and he immediately looked real forward, real quick. And I was like, let me out of this, let me out of this van right now. And the, the guy Mike goes, what? And I go, let, let me, me out of this van right now. And the, and the driver officer Black goes, where there? And he keeps driving. And I go, yeah, right there. And he goes, where there? Points again, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, right there. And he keeps going. Then, then he starts like, and this is code. I can, can I cuss on this? Yeah. He goes, he goes, fuck shit, ass fuck. Like, just starts using all these big cuss words. I already know this is a signal. Right. You know, and I'm like, shit. So he pulls into the UDF on the corner of Compton and Winton. And I'm like, <laughs> and he jumps out, and I try to jump out the sliding door. And I, I jump out the sliding door, and as soon as I get out of the car, there's like five or six cops come screeching in. They're like, freeze, get down. And I'm like. Fuck this. And I start trying to run. 
and there was a wall. So I jumped on a wall, and I'm I'm a 15 year old kid. I'm not going <laughs> right. anywhere. You and they got a lot of weed on you yeah, too. And they grabbed me. Oh, I'd actually taken the weed out and stuffed it in the seat in the car. Gotcha. I didn't really know what else to do with it. No, you know, okay. and but I'm sure I had some on me somewhere. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Like you're, and you're they like slammed me on the car, and they Shit. they put guns on me, and they're like, "Where's the gun?" And I didn't have a gun. I didn't carry anything on me. I had a weird feeling that day, mm. and um, and you know, basically they put me in handcuffs, and then they they cleared out real fast, put me in an unmarked car, and sat me in the back with one, with a cop and another cop driving in plain clothes, and had me in handcuffs. And we're driving by people on the road, and I'm mouthing, like, help me. <laughs> I'm sure you were, like, <laughs> trying to, like, hope somebody would, like, break me out because they think I'm getting kidnapped. Dude, and, well, I mean, but how intense of a situation being 15 years yeah. old. And you look, uh, people don't recognize that this type of shit goes with the life, right? Yeah. And for this guy who's a confidential informant because he's a crackhead, he's, tell, you know, he's friends with the cops probably to avoid jail time himself. Mm-hmm. He's getting something out of it. Yeah. People don't just do this. Yeah, and convinces them that you are somebody that can uh, that they can hit. You know, you're his yeah. drug dealer or yeah. whatever. Yeah, and you get caught. Yeah, damn, dude. Like, did they break your ribs or anything? Or I mean, like, was it? No, just, I mean, they, they just roughed you yeah, up. Yeah, they roughed me up. But you know, you that's part feeling. of the game too. You didn't get so. away. Now you're in an unmarked car where they're taking. They're you. taking me to 2020. Immediately, yeah, they okay. yeah, immediately, and then you're and you're you're caught. There's nothing yeah. you can to get around it. But damn, dude, did they think you were like a big time drug dealer? Or something? I don't know. I don't really know. I I think that it was just like wrong place, wrong time was how they originally. I so mean, they happened to, to get my friends, you know, and and yeah, I got the information out of them and. Gotcha. I mean, so you spent how much time as a result? Um, I did like three months. I think straight. Like you didn't go home. You spent three months. Yeah, in this yeah, about three, two to three months, somewhere in there. Um, trafficking marijuana. Trafficking. Yeah, two two counts felony fives of trafficking marijuana. But actually, it was just drug trafficking. It wasn't right. It was just I mean, a felony five drug trafficking. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So they sentenced me to probation and classes, no time, and they suspended my sentence. I think they, I don't remember what sentence they gave me, but they suspended it. And um, they uh, so you know I did all that. I did the little rehab. I didn't smoke weed or nothing because they're drug well, I'm testing sure you were me. I'm smart right anyway. Eh, for a moment, I was trying. I was. I was. I definitely was. Moment of clarity. Okay. You know, and uh, so yeah, like you know, you definitely contemplate in your life and. The, what were your parents decision. like when that happened? Upset, um, angry, but I don't really remember. I mean, they just, I, I just think again, like they're like, hopefully have- it's a phase and he gets the, we, these counselors help him or this rehab helps Because they've already tried to help you so much. It's not working. It's getting yeah. worse. It's this. And things like helpless. that, like you were just considered a bad kid. Right. There wasn't like addiction and this kid's got no, depression and this kid's got, like they were trying to figure it out what it was, but they couldn't really figure it out. You know, now, like the person I just talked to last time actually runs a recovery yeah. high school here in Ohio that's getting ready to start and would be perfect for a situation yeah. like that. So there was we're, nothing to do. They no. would throw us in a. Throw me in a, a class, and all I would do is meet more kids to hang out with. And that's how uh, rehabs are, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. Like, a lot of times, yeah. you, you know, that's one of my biggest issues with how some rehabs are set up, is that you go to them, next thing you know, you're meeting people, and they're telling you more ways to get around, get you know, do your drugs, yeah, yeah. and not get caught. I mean, I learned more in rehabs. Yeah. but So that's your first real run-in with the police. How many times has that happened? Okay, and then it happened again. <laughs> um, sure it does. This time, uh, I got into... I, 
you know, make a long story short, that guy Mike, that guy Mike that snitched on me would drive by the school every day and a bunch of other kids would be like, snitch, and yell at him. Well, yeah, stuff now and, you're not stupid. Yeah, so one day he jumps out of his car. I'm standing on the corner smoking a cigarette before school. He jumps out of his car, pulls out a box cutter. <clears throat> a grown man. Yeah, <clears throat> comes at me. So I jump in the street like, let's go then. You know what I mean? I had been calm up to then, but it just had built up. Well, right, plus and, you think this guy ruined your life like this. Snitch, yeah, this lot, and I really know, was going to try to – try to be better in school like i really was kind of scared like, oh, like I, i'm your, a convicted felon i'm 15 years old i'm about to be 16 like but here's this same fucking guy yeah here's this back. guy coming after me again and he jumps back in his car and drives off and i immediately was like i need to call my mom right so i get on get on the uh i go to the school i get on the payphone and i call my mom real quick and she goes we'll go to the police station after school it's probably not that big of a deal and you're thinking no it's a big i deal. said no mom we need to go now like this guy just came at me with a box right. cutter. I'm thinking I'm full of fear, and I'm thinking about revenge at the same time. Like right. now, it's his turn to go to jail. Gotcha. You know, but it, but whatever. I'm, I, you know, I'm a, it, it, again, a kid. I understand yeah, kid, the thought so. process. Don't, don't and I'm look, angry don't, and I'm shaking, and don't so apologize for yeah, it now. In six <laughs> bell, the I I uh, they call me. It was gym class. They go, hey, the, somebody was. Why couldn't be you know, math? I know, <laughs> and they go. uh. There's, uh, we need you to come to the back room at the, at the at the gymnasium. I go back. There's Officer Blygan and his partner. Mm. And I'm, they're like, so what happened today? And I told them what happened. Like, heartfelt, 100% truth. This guy's following and me. And they go, you know. yeah, they go, we don't believe you. Um, He came into the police station and signed an affidavit saying you came after him and that you've been harassing him and – and uh, blase, blase, what and, and whatever. And they go, you're loser. under arrest for a felony to intimidation of a witness. Uh-uh. And I'm like, what the fuck? Arrested me right as the school's letting out. Right, walked me through everybody. Put me in a cop car. I mean, dude, that has to have like a serious impact, too. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, you, you would have no reason even to come here and lie about that, right? No. You, you're a kid. Look, you can own the fact that you were something. You're trying to do the right thing. And this creepy old fuck is following you guys around for mm-hmm. whatever reason, because he's a crackhead, or to antagonize you, or whatever the reason. Yeah. And now, nobody's being to your defense. Your mom, you call her, she's like, we'll worry about it later, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. You, you know, you're at school. They arrest you at school because this guy had gone to the police station yeah. to say that you were harassing him. So, mm-hmm. like, he's just... <laughs> Didn't that, talk to any other witnesses no. or anything yet. Just so arrested him and charged arrested. him with a felony, too. Which is a big deal in the state of Ohio. So yeah. felony two can carry time, like all the way up to yeah. the time you're 21 yeah. in that respect. Yeah. So now you're going to jail again. again. You're on probation still, I yep. guess, at the time, which yeah. made it even worse. You're in, and you go have to go in front of a judge. Now what happens? Um. So they go, well, Daniel, you're going to do at least six months, at least. Which so we're like going to go ahead and transfer you now to what they call a stay center. Right. So I'm in 2020 for a month or two. State centers for like longer. state center is like a like it's a house. Their houses okay. that they would have, and uh, there would be like bars on the windows, and uh, it was like a f- giant foster home with staff. And what they would do there is they would. This is what they do there. I don't know if this is what the book says they do there, but you would sit down, and they would have classes every day, and you would have to write. Um, what you did wrong, and you would have to own up to what you did wrong, right? And all this stuff. Well, I didn't. At the, I was like, I didn't do this crime, so I'm not going to write. Right. Yeah, so they would you. 
punish me for it. So, the, okay, so I understand this. Yeah. Is that you went to this place, like a stay center, which yeah. is a home with bars on the windows. But kids could staff. escape. You could right. go out, run out the front door. Ne- if you're neither really here nor there, yeah. right? My concern is, so like you're getting, uh, before you go through for your bigger charge, it's kind of like a behavioral therapy modification. Place, yes, right? yeah. So what they're doing yeah. is trying to, like a scared straight program. Brainwash me. Brainwash you into saying, all right, well, in a lot of, let's be real, right? Some a of those lot kids of situations, work yeah. <laughs> A lot of situations, what they're doing is trying to make sure that you own it for as bad as it really was. And as it stands, in their eyes, you've done this. That's why you're there. Yeah. And you're not being honest. And your track record reflects the fact that you're not honest about anything. You're just a, you know, you're yeah. a drug dealing kid who has a behavioral problems. Yeah. So now they're making you write, you know, like, I did this. Well, this I refuse is, to write it. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I'm yeah. not understand. So the listener understands, too. Yeah. So now, because of... Look, one thing that I, uh, as your friend and I understand this about you, is that you have a sense of, um, like, loyalty and pride. Like, you know, there's a good sense mm-hmm. of self and a code of ethics. Even though this shit is bad, there's certain things that you don't sacrifice. It's like your own, like, you knew you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And here you are defenseless as a kid. Yeah. It's Nobody just, believed me. Well, Nobody. no, I don't expect them to. But still, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I can see you had a strong enough conviction, you know, no pun intended, conviction to yourself to say, no, I'm not going to write that because I didn't do it. Yeah. But you, now you're getting in trouble even more because you're not willing to do that. So you're like not participating. What did they do to you? They would like physically punish you. Like when you say physically, like they would hit you? Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting physically abused by adults? Yeah. What the fuck? And uh, like not, or they would, they would only feed you very little. They would make you sit in a corner. You know, or just like face the wall, and like um, this is going to help you. Like it, bo- I mean, yeah. it bothers me, yeah. right? Because I have kids, and I this stuff it wasn't helping you. It's no. not helping you. It's making it worse. All I was doing was getting angrier, and right? All so, I was doing, my I lost all all trust trust for authority, right? I didn't I believe it. I didn't trust it. wasn't just adults; it was authority in general. I was like, "Fuck the police. What did I try to get better for? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is bullshit. This is, I don't deserve this. And now I'm being, and to me, it was like the worst punishment I could possibly have. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm being physically punished and emotionally abused for something that I didn't even do. But this is in the night. I find it so hard to yeah. believe sometimes that shit like this yeah. exists. Like, the state, right? Let's just make it very clear. The state is punishing you. Hamilton County or whatever, yeah, Ohio. Hamilton County. Okay, yeah. Hamilton County, which is a suburb of Cincinnati or a, a, a county, is sending you here as a child. You're a kid, and somebody at the place is putting their hands on you mm-hmm. that is supposed to be helping you. Yeah. They're not even your family. Like, I understand that happens in prison as an adult, like, because whatever, but you're a child. Yeah. So that's fucked up. So they would hit, oh my God, dude. Yeah. And I mean, it, it was it was it, it was all because heart. I wouldn't follow their, well, their I, rules. And I and I was just like, I can't. I'm not doing that because I'm going to get out of this. Was my was what I said. And I actually ended up beating this charge. Really? How'd you do that? I so I somebody I had suggested that I write down from the moment I wake up that day. Do you till, remember who it was? Till I got arrested. I don't. I don't remember if it was a lawyer. I what definitely was my public defender. Um, but I don't remember who it was. Right, what's happening while you're there, you, or that day that that day that happened. Oh, that the, and from uh, the morning, from the time I woke up to the to the to the time I was arrested on the day of the box on the day okay. of the incident. I wrote in detail what happened. In detail, it was about like two pages. So it's an affidavit, really? Yeah. 
And on the day of my court, I had two witnesses that came, and I handed this paper to my public defender, and he handed it to the judge, and the judge read it, and the judge goes, why were you driving by this school where some kids that you've had problems with, some kids that you've had problems with, are standing outside every morning? There's no other way you could take. And uh, they, then he was like, and then they did a whole thing like where he worked. He what shouldn't even have been driving by every day. Well, well you know, as just saying yeah. it to me already is that this guy was harassing you. He was, yeah, he was. Har- he was trying yeah. to convince them that it was you, and yeah. he's now staying in court. Trying to get you to go to prison, like fuck yeah. him, send him to prison. This Pretty much, head. yeah. Like yeah, the cops, the, everybody, and the, the judge, judge goes, "This isn't adding up." Ooh. And um, he goes, "Stay away from these kids. Stay away from them. You stay away from him. Case dismissed." Yes. Pretty much along those lines, and maybe a couple That's other words. Fine. But basically, he was like, "This doesn't make sense. I don't understand why this even happened." You know what I'm saying? Like the judge was like, "These." He was. He was a. In the right frame of mind, like this is a kid, regardless of what happened, and why are you driving by these kids and you're a grown man? Thank God for him. Yeah, let's be real. And okay? they let me, and I was, I mean, I was. It's the first time I ever saw my dad like cry for about four seconds. Oh wow, about four seconds. Cry. Because it was a serious charge. He, well, no, that not only yeah. that, but he didn't believe you either, right? No, nobody did. That's dude. Nobody believed me. So I can only imagine. It was. I can only imagine, right? And looking, you know, you have had some issues up to this point. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the little boy who cried wolf, right? Because, oh, this, that. You're trying to get out of stuff all the time. Someone could argue you put yourself in that situation. And, okay, fine. But at the same time, right, how hopeless you have to feel when you're being honest and nobody believes you, not even your own family, right? Mm-hmm. And to be vindic- you know, to to be vindicated, and like, look, no, he he is telling the truth. Have you seen your dad cry? And then you leave, right? I mean, I, I know that just as a moment, like, I can just see that. And it's, I mean, it's all fucked up, right? This mm-hmm. is tragic shit. This is, the show's called Tragedy to yeah. Triumph. And I'm guessing that you didn't just stop then, but did no. you straighten up for a little bit and then? You know what? After that, man, that anger had built up pretty solid. Uh yeah, I was happy to be really out, believes me. but now it's like, you know, fuck it. Right. You know, I'm going, I'm, Daniel's back, you know, I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm back hustling, you know, I'm well, angry. Yeah, now you're pissed at everybody. Yeah. including you, know, you can look at your dad crying today and understand it yeah. for what it is. But at the time you're like, fuck them. They didn't believe me anyway. Yeah. My life wasn't going good. Like this happened to me yeah. when I, cause I wasn't doing what I was yeah, doing. Exactly. So I'm just going to go back to at least have fun. Right. Yeah, to the gotcha. way I want to be. So how, so you yeah. do that for a while, right? Yeah. Now let's just get you out of high school because we could stay here. Well, for I, a long I, time. I, well, I went to, something else happened. Yeah. I, so I, I ended up, uh, getting back into selling drugs. Um, they had an investigation on me. Uh, and, um, I ended up doing, uh, you know, a total of almost two years in DYS. So, like, in pri- juvenile prison. No, uh, yeah. Um, well, I did. It was about eighteen months in in juvenile prison. Shit. Yeah, I ended up catching uh, three more felonies for selling. Yeah, for possession of LSD and two more trafficking charges. Oh, or, wow. no, I'm sorry, possession of LSD, a drug trafficking, another drug trafficking, and a uh, dr- and a felony drug abuse. You spent almost two years of your life as a kid yeah. locked away. If you added it all up, it was more than that. Well, well yeah. I'm yeah. just, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, this is a, mm-hmm. 
I didn't know that about you. Like, we've been friends for a while, yeah. and I had no idea that you've been incarcerated. Yeah. And what? We, and that was a whole other thing in itself. That was another. Uh, and that wasn't at 2020. That's, no, that was in DYS, which, which is juvenile is prison. Juvenile prison. Yeah, I was sent to Cuyahoga Hills Boys School up in Cleveland, um, which is a, one of like, the roughest. Did you reform while you were there? Or were you doing? I did some, yeah. I actually did reform. And um, what? It, like, what did you learn while well, you were there? Well, I learned that I don't like being around guys <laughs> that long. <laughs> right. You know, and. Uh, you still just, fighting then? I'm oh definitely. You got to fight up there. I was a Cincinnati boy sent up to Cleveland. Gotcha. So that should say enough right there. So you're still fighting there? Yeah. Were you like, put like work, getting into working out or anything? I was getting there? into work. I got into working out there with a guy named Denver. Really? His name was Denver. He was his, the buffest kid I've ever seen. He looked like a grown man. And you know that's probably a positive yeah. outlet though too. So you're yeah. And he goes, you want to start working out with me? Because I was like, I was a little fearful up there, man. It was a, it was a, it was a. It's hard to explain. It's very, you know, people think of juvenile like kids, but this is rough, man. It was a rough, rough place. And we were in a dorm. So it's, you know, yeah, they called it the gladiator, juvenile right. gladiator camp. Oh, Let's just shit. put it that way. So it was, yeah, it was, I mean, there's kids doing years Don't and years. Kids cold, doing juvenile man. life there, you know. Um, I got in a lot of trouble. I got a trouble for salt and staff. Uh, I got put in their hole. Uh, quote unquote, I don't forget what they call it, but um, for you know about thirty days total. Um, up. I'm surprised yeah. you made it out of there, but you did. They let me out a point. week after my 18th birthday. So that's like the the law, though. You can't because you're doing. Is that considered juvenile life? No, 21's juvenile. Okay, life. so you're there until you said about a week before, a week after, week after. They, they couldn't, couldn't let hold me hold you at 18. Is technically yeah, they they could have kept holding me, but um. They were supposed to let me out on my 18th birthday, but I was so bruised up because I got jumped that they right wouldn't before. release me. Yeah. So it's like a problem. They probably do that to everybody. Yeah, it's it's a like, common procedure. They're not going to let you out with a, you know, 50 bruises all over your arms and in your chest and black eye. You know what I mean? Right. Because then it's, it's not a good look. Problems. No, cause more problems. Yeah. So all right. So now you're out of prison, or uh, you know, you're 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And are you doing the right thing? Or? I just, you know, I they had told me when I was in there that they said, you'll be back. You'll be in adult prison. Well, yeah. They all I go mean, to adult prison. And I said, not me. No way. You know? And uh, so I got out and I was like, I, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to go back to that life. So, um, you know, I started working. Did you, uh, you get out, but did, yeah. I can, uh. What was that like, though? Like, did you go try to go back and hang out with your old friends or anything? No. I did. Well, I wouldn't say I did. I ran into some some people. Um, and let's let's put it this way. So I wouldn't have done any time at all if I just would open my mouth. You know? Oh, but I you were told on who yeah. gave you drugs yeah, and stuff. Yeah, but I didn't. So I run into a lot of the people that uh, I sold drugs with or for or whatever, and they were like, called me a snitch, and they told me they wouldn't mess with me. And I, I remember being like, what? You have honor. And you're like, even yeah, I'm like, I'm like snitch. Like, like I just did all that fucking time because I didn't <laughs> snitch. Right. Like, how dare you? And a couple of them were like, bro, it's cool. You know, we know, man. But a couple of them wouldn't. And that just kind of like, I was like, you know what? I'm all, I'm cool on, on this. Yeah, fuck you know? all this. Yeah, like I'm just, I'm, I don't want to do that life anymore. I just spent my entire childhood doing this. Right. Like there's something, there's got to be something bigger, better for me out there. And what's that and bigger I've, and better thing? And I fell in love with working out. Okay. So, you know, I, I got some other jobs. You know, I noticed that when I would work, I, I was I would always like get promotions and stuff. Like my first job at a DYS, my 
my it was a Jiffy Loop, and I got promoted to a, to a key holder, just like right under a manager. But being an eighteen year old kid, that's an amazing accomplishment for someone no, who really just, just came out of prison. And um, I ended up quitting that and going to something else. And you know, I had a couple other odd jobs, but I noticed that I had a work ethic. I loved to work. I liked to push myself, and I loved working out. And I would. I would work 10 hours a day and still go to the gym for two hours a day, you know, and then I, I got into uh, boxing again and, um, you know, I did a couple of uh, tough man shows. I did a tough man show up in Dayton, Ohio uh, twice. And that's a whole nother story. When we go but you, into, still but like you still like to fight anyway. You still like to fight. I found a lot of joy in that type of stuff. And, and I was able to turn it into something a little bit better. Like I was like, and I still hung around with a couple of the other kids, you know what I mean? But, like, but majority of the ones, I, I tried to phase out, I guess, or, or I just wouldn't. I just didn't want to go back to jail. <laughs> I get it. And I don't blame you, right? Yeah. Your life, in a lot of ways, is changing. And, yeah, and a lot of people that I did run with, after I got out, they started going to jail. They didn't. So I had kind of look at it like it was a blessing that I got busted when I did because some of those guys have done some serious time. And you've never been back to prison. Then. I've never been back to prison. So that you telling that guy saying you're going to be back here and you're like, no, I'm not. Yeah. And you've been able to hold true to that. I have, which is by the grace of God. Okay. Not that I have well, your story doesn't it, end here. Yeah. Cause I was going to say also oh, you sold drugs. You were high in high school. Yeah. So now you're working. Things are going good in your life. Like, can I like pick up the pace for me so I get yeah. an idea? Like, yeah. So, so you know, I'm 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 doing good. I got a couple of jobs. Um, I became a personal trainer. Uh, same ethic. I became a, a really successful personal trainer. Actually, I I was the first person to work for this uh, training company. It's no longer around, but that didn't have a four year degree or more. Not only did I not have a four year degree, but I had a GED. I got in DYS, but I only had a tenth grade education. Shit. So I'm working with a bunch of like guys with master's degrees and training degrees and stuff, and I'm. I'm one of the top personal trainers at this company. Shows your worth it, work yeah. ethic. Um, I also met some guys that did uh, mixed martial arts, um, and it was a newer. It wasn't a newer sport, but it was an up and coming more sport. It back wasn't then. what it is today. No, it definitely right. wasn't like what it is today. Like I remember the first show I fought at. Um, like they were the they didn't even want it in in because it's like blood sport. Yeah, yeah it was like human cockfighting. Well, you know? I, know, and, I thought was amazing yeah. is that when they talk about how UFC used to be when they would pit like this guy who's a karate yeah. versus a sumo like these insane yeah. ends of the spectrum because it's mixed, mixed yeah. martial arts. These two no weight classes all this and yeah. you're like what are you I remember about? uh guys fighting in karate geese and stuff. Right. Like, you know what I mean? It was <laughs> totally different. <laughs> and this guy's has, a boxer, this guy's a taekwondo artist, this saying, guy's a fight. wrestler, this guy's a jiu-jitsu guy. It's not like that anymore. It's beautiful, but it's, it, that's how it was when I and some guys first were getting started. murdered. Yeah, like and not every and not every other guy on the street was a was a fighter. <laughs> there gotcha. was like we were more far and for, few in between, few, and, few and far between. Yeah. Right. And, so okay, go ahead. And um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of and I fell in love with that. Um, so fighting, mm-hmm. and, but in a way, in a mixed martial arts. A mixed martial Okay, yeah, prize fighting, totally right. different. Prize fighting, martial that, arts. That made you feel good about yourself. It though. did. And and you know what? Like, and it's one of those things, like a lot of those guys that I got into with that, and a lot of the friends I made never knew me as a kid. There were people that did because I became like kind of like a, a guy in the neighborhood that was doing something. Right. But other than that, these these guys I trained with and these guys didn't know my past. But I used to look back like I I made it through that. My childhood, I can make it through this. I can be the best I can be. You're a fighter. Yeah. Like, 
There were some guys that fought to say they were fighters. I fought because I wanted to be the best. And I get that's when I say when I say fighter, yeah. not in the oh, you're yeah. just like putting your you you that's just what you do. You yeah. keep pushing through. Yeah, yeah. And um, so you know, and it, it, it just turned into just uh, something I love. It turned into an identity for me. Um, and uh, what did they call you? The weapon. <laughs> the weapon. Yeah. Why would they call you the weapon? I'm not really sure. You're I'd like to think because hell. I was super dangerous, but I'm not even sure if that's. But you know, either way, I didn't give myself that nickname. <laughs> no, someone else gave. Yeah, it to somebody you. else gave it to me. I I finished a guy with leg kicks one time. Um, I broke my shoulder in the first round, and you kept going. And I and in the second round, I couldn't throw any punches. This guy was beating my ass, and I threw a leg kick, and he didn't block it. And I threw another one, and I saw the look on his face change. So I hit him with another one, and he started backing up. And I hit him with another one, and he turned around and started to run away. And I jumped up to Superman, punch him, and the ref caught me. Shit. Yeah. So you're going to murder that guy. Yeah. <laughs> with, yeah. But he was he was beating me pretty bad at right. first. But and, but, you know, it's, once you realize he couldn't defend that, you're like, okay, let's yeah, go for it. with one arm. So, you know, mm. I'd like, I think that that's kind of when that nickname kind of. Kind of keep your watch off my table yeah. over here. I can hear it in my mic. Sorry. <laughs> so, fine. you know, that's that's kind of when it uh, that name kind of took off, I I'm guess. I'm just messing with you. Yeah. You're fine. I just keep hearing it <laughs> for the listeners at home. So yeah. you you got into fighting, and, and that, you said, it gave you some, like, public notoriety. Like, people knew who you were now, yeah. right? Yeah, maybe, yeah. And you're, and you're training, too. Yeah. Or you're, you're, you're doing the physical. I'm tr- personal training, personal part-time. Training. training, you know. So you're making good money, too. I'm making really good money. I'm happy. Got lots of women. Got um, I'm doing what I want to do. I just love what I'm doing. And you know, well, one thing I haven't heard you talk about since in the past couple, like, were drugs in this? Drugs were involved in this. We like to party. You know what I mean? Okay. And I, I like to party. You know, ecstasy was real big with the guys that I ran with. You know, obviously we would drink, but ecstasy and weed. You know, weed's real big in like the jujitsu and all yeah, that. I've stuff. heard about things and like in terms the, of training. Yeah, and here's the thing with weed. I got busted for selling weed as a kid. I had a problem with marijuana. It may work for a lot of people. They might not see the big thing in it, but it is something that can be abused. I would, when I was a kid, I would sit by myself and smoke a box of Optimos a day, with which are like cigars, and I would right. roll them by myself. That's insane. So you know, this the, the type of isolation with drugs and alcohol started a long time ago, and it was something that I carried. Uh, into this part to fast forward now back where we were. And I would lie about my drug usage even with the people that I was using drugs with. Like they would take like two or three hits of ecstasy. I would take like five or six. Oh, shit. So you're um, always full tilt. Yeah. And <laughs> oh, and I would be I would be smoking weed before we would meet up uh, to get my mind right again. because I, I didn't, you know, I regardless of what I was able to accomplish, I became a five-time champion mixed martial artist. I, I won a title, 170-pound title at a show called Ice. That was at one time like the show in in the Midwestern area. It was people would come from Detroit. I fought people from all over the Midwest um, at that show because there wasn't shows like there is today, you know. So that title meant something back then. You gotcha. know what I mean? Not that no title doesn't. No, but, you know, that's it's, fine. Though, but for your yeah, own story and what yeah. you're doing in so, this moment in time, it is. I still a big deal. didn't like who I was. I was still searching to find out who I – what is my purpose in all this? I lived in a lot of fear that people would discover what I was in the past and that I really wasn't this good person. It's like and irrational. I, as fuck, yeah, and, and, but that's how my – where my mind would take me. But drugs and alcohol would help me escape that and would make me feel like 
I was He-Man and nothing mattered. Nothing else mattered. It's pretty profound. Yeah. And, um, but it wasn't something I would abuse. It wasn't something I needed to do every day. Well, you did but, and you didn't. Like when you just yeah. said, like, if, if you guys were going to go drop act, take ecstasy, your I friends would are taking more. a couple, you would yeah. do more. And you've always done this and you would isolate at times, yeah. but it, I always tell people this. It's like, it's not a problem until it is, right? Yeah, and right. for me, the same thing was true as well. Like, I had experimented my entire life. I've done, you know, I have abused drugs up mm. to the point of being 25. But there's a difference between drug abuse or like, uh, you know, like having dependency and a full-blown, like, addiction that affects every aspect of yeah. your life. So, uh, there are, or I meant to say drug abuse and addiction. Yeah. Those are two different things, and they're classified differently, too. Yeah. So, it's not a problem until it is, and right now it's still not a problem. When does it start becoming a problem? So, um, with that shoulder injury I had was my first experience with, with opiate pain medication. Um, it always comes down to this. Yeah. So, I, uh, I'm getting a, plenty of painkillers, and I noticed when I took those painkillers, it just, I was like, I'm ready to go train. I, I had a broken shoulder, not even had surgery yet, already getting pain medications, in the gym working out and doing curls. Because I can still curl my arm, but I can't lift anything else. And I'm calling my coach like, I can come in, I can work kicks, I can do stuff. He's like, stay home. <laughs> you have a broken shoulder. I feel yeah. fine though, <laughs> But coach. I feel great. <laughs> I mean, they immediately were like a solution to me. It was these, these opiates, they changed my brain chemistry like, well, they I remember, did. I remember being like, why? If somebody's depressed, just give them a couple of Percocets. Yeah, and they'll be – everything's They'll changed. be great. You know, I didn't really understand the addictiveness of it Nobody yet did, though. Yeah. I didn't. I had no idea yeah. going to my doctor that day yeah. and him saying take these and take them every day was going to snowball into me shooting yeah. dope with a bunch of, like, heathens. Yeah. You know, I was a heathen, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would never think no. that it would get to that. Yeah, and not- most people don't. Mm-mm. So that's the thing, especially for the time frame here. How old are you, by the way, when you start, when you break your shoulder or hurt your shoulder? 25. 25 years old. Yeah. Same thing with me. So 25 years old, you're taking these. They're making you feel better. You're training. You're It's like you're going hard with them. Yeah. And because I'm, they do. They're yeah. helping you. And I'm doing that in air quotes for people who can't see me right now. Mm-hmm. You thought that they were helping in some ways. Yeah. They're blocking the signal of pain, emotional, physical, all of the, yeah. the above. But it starts to cause problems. Yeah, it does. And I, I, I start getting, you know, it's. Just start getting addicted. And I kind of scaled back at this point on the pain medication, but I still loved it. So anytime something good was going to happen, anything big, I was going to be fighting again in the future. I would save up painkillers, coke, mushrooms, alcohol. And as soon as the fight was over, I'd be like, pop, 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 all of it, drink, go to the bar. You know what I mean? Be up for three or four days. I'd be up for three or four days after a fight, high on adrenaline, and you add all those drugs in there. It's something you – it's like a high that – I've. I never got it before. That's um, insane. So, dude. like, yeah, like back to when I was a kid, the adrenaline thing. So, were it's you still something? You no, know? absolutely. So, you were preoccupied. It's interesting because I, me looking at something to save them, you couldn't use them while you were training at certain times. Right. Saying. Yeah. So, you would go fight. You can't, like, would you be preoccupied? Oh, yeah. By it? yeah. So, you would be thinking, like, I can't wait to get this fight over with. You know, you mm-hmm. got that one part. You're like, I yeah. can't wait to destroy this dude and then go and use all the stuff I have. Have two beers waiting for me when I walk that's, out of here. And you would say that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say be- that to people. Yeah. That dude, that's a, that's a big mm-hmm. deal. That's the, gives people the understanding, the psyche of someone who has issues with drugs. Yeah. Okay. Cause a normal person could look at that and they'd say, all right, you, you know, you're, I mean, it's, they can't fathom that concept. 
People yeah. can say, I can't wait to get off work this week or, or today so I can go and crack a cold one. Yeah. Right? But you have calculated plans. De- plan. yeah. You have plans to get fucked up. Yeah. Sorry, that, that's man. so oh, I had shit. fights. To, you know, a couple of, I had fights where I would be cutting weight in my apartment because I had a treadmill and I would turn my bathroom into a sauna. And I would invite girls over and some of my closest closest homies. And they would party while I'm cutting weight because I like the party. And wow. I wouldn't even be partying with them, so to say, but I just I loved it. I loved it, man. I loved the women and the people around and getting fucked up and bring it to you know what I'm yeah, saying. Bring like, it at least if I can't do it right now, bring yeah, it around yeah, me. Yeah, bring it around me. I want it around me, like you know. And then um, I had a another fight where after the fight, I, I was I took so many drugs that night, man. People were just giving me stuff. I had to, I duct taped my arm to the faucet because I kept choking on my puke. And I kept waking up choking on my puke. And I finally made it to the kitchen. And um, I, I, I was afraid, so I just hung there with my arm taped to the faucet. Fuck. Because I, I was afraid I was overdosing and I was going to die and well, they were yeah. going to find me. And I couldn't call anybody because I couldn't let anybody know what I had been doing. So. That's and, that dude. Yeah. And yeah. then. Um, <laughs> People have no idea, do they? They no. have no idea. <laughs> No, when you really break it down, like, I have an idea because I've experienced it. There have been times where I've woken up butt naked with a mirror on top of me, and I have no idea how it happened. Like, yeah. what are we talking about? Or I would use drugs, and if I vomited, I knew that they were going to be really good. Yeah. Things like that. There's insane insanity that's coupled with this. I would do things, like, when it got to the point where I would shoot dope, that I would be so deathly, because it, people say it's really strong, and I would be, as it's happening, as I'm putting a needle into my body, Freaking out, thinking I'm going to die, but then waiting for it to happen, and then it didn't. Like, I, there's like some insane shit to that. Yeah. What the fuck, bro? I remember. Oh, I remember waking up one time with a black eye. My head had hit the, the pavement at a Kroger's parking lot, and I woke up. I thought it was. It reminded me of being in football many years ago, like Friday Night Lights above me, but it was actually the EMTs and police officers. <laughs> so I'm famous. I also woke up another time with a uh, a firefighter pricking my finger like I had ran, ran off the road. I have woken up, someone tapping on the window, and, and seeing EMTs come down the road, and I take off in my car yeah. before they can assess the situation. I've done that so many times, I'm lucky to be alive. Anyway, so. So it, this, 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 this continues. You know, it's, it's, it's progressing slowly, well, yeah. but it's progressing over the years. And uh, I had, like, I, like I was a personal trainer. Like where is your identity anyway in this? Your identity is in something like let's. There's nothing wrong with being a fighter and liking and enjoying yeah. it and all of these things. But your identity is in very like strongly ego based, mm-hmm. strongly fear based too. Like you don't very want people to find find yeah. you out. Um, like what were? Do you remember what your goals were then? Was it like to die? I wanted to a, be. I wanted to be in the UFC. Got you. I wanted to be one of the best fighters ever to walk this planet. And I bet you carried yourself as that. That was that was what's I, going on. I, I did, and um, a lot of opportunities came knocking at my door as a result of it. But you were getting high. But I was. There was always that part of me. Gotcha. But it wasn't something I was doing all the time. The unmanageability part of it wasn't as prevalent. The unmanageability in my life was definitely prevalent. I couldn't hold a girlfriend. I I was always sleeping with all multiple women. My bills were late, even though I had the money. Um, right. You know, I I, was fucked up. Yeah, but I but there was always a small sense in my mind that this was all going to end soon because I was going to die young. Oh, now that 
So okay. I need to do this now. I need to get it out. I'm going to party my ass off, and I'm going to be somebody that people are going to remember. The 27 Club. Yeah, like, I'm not going to make it much longer. You really I've told yourself this, that? Yeah, I've lived this crazy life. I'm lucky to have made it to 18 years old with the life that I lived as a juvenile. Let alone 25, yeah, 26 be, yeah. now. Um, so I'm going to probably – it was I'm probably going to die soon. Was just like it was just like I'm gonna live my best life today because I'm gonna die of something. Somebody's gonna kill me, or I'm gonna end up killing myself. And it was always just that was just th- there. I never imagined like I'm not gonna get married and have children because I'm not gonna be around long enough to enjoy it. Was where my mind always was. You know, the police are gonna catch up to me. Um, you know, I I didn't like you know the just people that used to buy drugs, like all that shit. Like I mean, there's so just many just everything. Like somebody who I robbed when I was 15 or 14 is going to come find me. They're going to find out. They're going to you know or, or a lot of these you have realistic fears and un- very unrealistic. Yeah, fear. yeah. So, uh, you know, the future was never something I really looked at. I mean, I pl- I, I planned it somewhat. It's weird. Like, okay, well, if I'm making it, I'm going to continue to be a trainer. Yeah. And I'm going to be a fighter. you say I will be in the UFC, but yeah. at the same time, I'm yeah. going to die by the time, time I'm 27. And I, but I'm going to be – I'm going to die famous. Like that type yeah. of insane. Yeah, okay. exactly. Yeah. So how I got to make it here before I die. <laughs> right. Yeah, I got to get it. Because gotta, if going yeah. out and going out with a bang, how bad did it get? Okay, so, you know, I, I started – I lost the personal training job. Um, to, to not go into that, they, they screwed me over. But it's my fault I allowed them to. I, I signed paperwork I shouldn't have. I trusted in people I should not have like trusted. Non-compete? I signed a non-compete and I, and I um, re-signed all my clients through this company and then they let me go. Oh, And it shit. had nothing to do with drugs or alcohol. It just had to do with them wanting to save money. They, they want, want to give you Instead of paying me less out of it, instead of paying me a less percentage, they just wanted to cut me out altogether and pay somebody else a less percentage. Right to train so, my clients. That's business is fucked. That's up business, man. It is what it is. But you I'm know, sure but that I let it. You off. I did, and I remember the moment it happened. I looked at my dresser drawer, and I remembered I had Percocets in there, and I'm, and I remember opening it up. I had a little mirror, crushed up a couple of Percocets, snorted them, sat back, and immediately I had this sense of solution again. That sense that I could figure this all out. Fuck, dude. Like, like, okay, it's gonna be okay. I, I got, I can do this. I can, I can build my business back up. You know, I was a stripper for a long time. I could get to stripping again. You yeah, know, you, you can, completely could, glazed over yeah, that. Yeah, I so did. That's yeah. I stripped. I started stripping when I was eighteen. It wasn't something I did all the time. Oh, this is but, even better. You know. I'll never forget that. So yeah. Well, thanks. I don't know if I'll yeah. ever call you ever to dance at my house. All or right, anything, but uh, well, good for crush you. Crush my dreams. Know, yeah, right. Thanks. But you know, it was just something. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of. I worked in in <laughs> bars and clubs too, starting when I was about twenty one. Right. So you know, I've I've always so had a like hustle. This, like yeah, I've always like, made money. When well, you and, like light night life and the fight life, yeah. Like I lived, dr- yeah. I lived. I was like, these are the things I want to do because these things are cool. You know, I'm a fucking stripper, a fighter, a personal trainer, and I'm a bouncer. That's the best. Like, yeah. how more badass could I be? You right. know, that's where my I head can't was. read, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, can, I only got a tenth grade education. But, but I can, boy, like, I'm slay, sl- homie. <laughs> but I'm slaying I can beat it. your ass and I pull all the hose, <laughs> but I'm dumb as hell. No, I, mean, I know you're not dumb, yeah. but I'm just saying, like, when yeah. you really break it, like, God, everything on. was material for me. I believe that, yeah. and I can see that being right. Uh, that's when I said, was like, "What did your life revolve around?" Other people saw. There you go. Me. Finally, so like mm-hmm. this is okay. So we talk about tragedy to triumph, and we're going to get to this. Is yeah. we're getting to your moment of clarity here, yeah. turning point, or whatever you yeah. want to call it. So, yeah. but no, so like you break it down, like. Being a kid, right, yeah, and not feeling like you fit in, finally finding someone that you fit in with, 
uh, getting in a lot of trouble, getting out of jail and saying, I'm never I'm going to have a new life. But now you're meeting people that you're afraid that they will figure out your past. Right. And then you're still overwhelmed with fear of what people think about you and wanting to fit in and all of this other stuff. And you have always found some confidence in a bottle, whether it's a bottle of booze or a bottle of pills. Mm -hmm. Right. That is where you and your identity is in what other people thought of you, not necessarily what you thought about yourself. Yeah. Let's be very real and very simple yeah. about that. Yeah. So that's that a me problem. That's what I'm saying, mm-hmm. right? And for somebody like I have to cut through. I know we've been yeah. we talk fairly quick, right? Yeah. And we're good. We're good. Um, I just think it's important for someone to for one to, to explain this to someone who may be struggling right now is to understand yeah. like the problem is in you. Yeah. The problem is in me. Yeah. And we have seen it clearly in this in the show. We're not even done. So now to get to your moment, like, what did it take? Because I, I don't think it was done with Percocets, right? No, no. So, you know, the, I give, before I know it, I need that solution every day. Right. Because now I, I'm I'm so full of fear because I'm not making money fighting like that. So I now I'm a personal trainer. I got to rebuild a business. I'm so full of fear, but the but the but the Percocets take that fear away from me, and I'm able to do that, and I'm able to too. train, and I'm able to fight. And I mean, I fought three fights. You know what I mean? Main events, main event fights, uh, on Percocets. Right. Um, I did not fight bad. I probably would have gotten there, but I don't think I let it get that long before I went all the way out. But, um, so, uh, I, um, you know, I, I, I started partying more, uh, just, just, it was like the progression of, of, of my addiction had just skyrocketed. It, anything. Now, now I'm taking Adderalls because- I, I need the that. energy. And right. not that I had never taken Adderalls before. Now, not that well, I had never been prescribed, prescribed as a prescribed child. But it had a different about. effect on me. Correct. And, you know, it's different. Like, when I was a kid, I don't really remember much. But as an adult, man, I take, I would just be like, mix Adderall. I'm a stacker. I like to stack things. So I like a Percocet and Adderall, some Red Bull and Vodkas or some Coronas. I'm good to go. That's that's my normal right. to me. Normal is not is not being that. That's that's how it became. You like the wavelengths of all these different. Yeah, drugs I like when I would vision. find I that, that exact chemistry cocktail. Same thing with me. That's yeah. why I was such a huge fan of pharmaceutical speedballs. Yeah, yeah. and I just try to ride that wave perfectly. Yeah. I remember the first time I got real high on Percocets and, and Adderall and drink. It was like the perfect balance. I sat, mm-hmm. stood on my porch in my apartment that I, I hadn't lost yet, and um, was doing like spinning kicks. With the moon. Right. So, like, the sun like- came up. Like, for hours, I'm out there. Like, if somebody was watching me, they'd have been like, what the, the f- Right. What the fuck is that is, dude Why on? is there a ninja living next but to you? feel as the right. You feel as a ninja Gaiden over here. He's not only a dancer, but he's also a fighter and everything in between. Yeah. No, that guy's cool over there. Right. I so doubt it. Some kids, spinning kicks at 530 in the morning. You looked insane. Crazy. Right? Absolutely. And you were. Absolutely. Um, but you can't sustain a lifestyle of using these things, and I'm glad no. that we've hit on some of this. But mm-hmm. I know Percocets cost money. I know that you weren't yeah. working, and you, you well, know, I was you, making some money. I worked at a bar. Right, I was some. still working at a bar. Yeah, I, but as my addiction grew, um, the prices did not go down. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, it, and, and I was getting supplies from doctors. I've had I've had three hand surgeries on my left hand total throughout my right. career, and I had another one, and I was riding that script for as long as I could. Then I found a doctor that would prescribe me, and then I found uh, went to my family doctor and got another script, and I just filled them too quick, and they both cut me off. You know, it didn't get flagged to where the police. I didn't do it long they enough. Just said, right. But the first time I did it, they were like, "Nope." 
So I'm buying them on the street now. That kind of dried up. Now I'm dope sick. I, I have some personal training clients. I'm training at another gym. Um, I'm still trying to maintain stuff. I'm still training for fights. Uh, I got I got students now. I'm training. I got people who I'm who I'm helping out get ready for fights. You know, right. I'm you're, doing good. People relying on, on the you outside, too, but you're a full blown addict. But bro. I'm addicted. Right. And I remember the guy going like, "Look, man, you can just buy this twenty. This is heroin." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa! I'm not a heroin addict." And he right. goes, "Bro, it's the same thing." And you can just instead of buying a Percocet thirty, you buy a twenty of heroin and split it in half, and it'll last you all day. Twenty bucks a day instead of spending sixty. Or whatever, you know what I mean? 50, 60 bucks. And I'm like, okay, I'll try it. And it worked. And you're like, well, what the hell? What was the big deal? Yeah. Dude, remember how uh, heroin was sold, sold to me as a kid? Yeah, well, sold yeah. me on it. And yeah. it worked. And I was, and then, um, so now I've crossed that line. Well, heroin's not that bad. You know what? If this gets any worse, I'll just get help. Gotcha. It, but I got this under control. <laughs> yeah. This is all this, good. This is like I'm snorting heroin. Right. Um, it's laughable because yeah. you, no one gets addicted to heroin. I'm like, all right, my life's about to get <laughs> I'm, better. Yeah. I'm good. At least it's not in a needle. I always right. justified everything. Mm. And then uh, I was introduced to bath salts um, because I had been doing Adderall. I decided to – and now I'm short, snorting heroin. They sell these bath salts at the gas station. I'm going to try it. Bath salts don't – I mean uh, – Bath salts, for anybody that may not know, was like – it was like uh, – like meth. Speed, meth. It was like oh, meth really? that they sold at the gas station because it was missing a chemical. Like there's spice. There's all these things. These these synthetic drugs. It was a yeah, synthetic designer drug. drug. Yeah, right. designer drug. So which can make that's the problem with designer drugs. And I don't want to cut you off. I just want to make it no, very clear yeah. is that they do exist, right? Yeah. And they affect all of us differently. And they're one co- compound. And they just they can continue to change them, but just by one molecule, one molecule to keep mm-hmm. them legal. Yeah. And they have really high unforeseen consequences in terms of, you know, like you can cause your heart rate to like shoot through the roof or, you know, you to go blind or like eat someone's face. Like all this crazy psychosis induced, you know, lack of sleep, obviously, but it's an amphetamine and it's have you through the roof. So now it's, it's crazy. you're on heroin and basically designer uh, methamphetamine. Yeah. And I was just, I mean, I let my power get turned off in my apartment first. I'm, so I'm sure living in the dark, but I'm up all night. How much were you, you spending? Know? Like, was that like, how much was that? Uh, I would spend like 20 bucks a day that, on that, buy that and 20 a bucks gas a, station. a gas station. Is that hard to believe? I know. Yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I would just be, man, I would just be up for days just seeing things, yeah, losing your shadow people. Mind. Well, yeah. I chased the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man down the road in Hyde Park. <laughs> um, God, man, oh, I, I slept behind a shell. Well, I didn't even sleep. I just laid behind a shell station because I thought there was demons chasing me around. And that was Sad, the only safe dude. spot because I was in some type of vortex. This is what I your life's come to. Yeah. And now I'm like, I'm now I'm homeless. I have a girlfriend who's who's doing all this with me. Oh yeah. Too. Great. You know, we some I she was my we were Bonnie and Clyde, let me tell you. <laughs> Ride till we die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bonnie and Clyde. I at first I, I you know now I it went from homelessness it went to homelessness real quick. You know, I I had robbed the fight promoter. At the last show I was supposed to fight at, I was supposed to be a main event. I showed up high. I showed up the weigh-ins, 10, 10 pounds underweight. They wouldn't let me fight. Uh, and I was I had been up for two or three days. Um, I felt good, I guess, I thought. Well, you're but, insane. Yeah, but I'm in mean, like, an insane amount. You. Yeah, and, and, you know, and that started off a whole new thing because now I got a reason to be paranoid. You know, so now I'm paranoid 
that mm. this promoter and all these other fighters are going to come after me now. So now I'm in a state of paranoia, which lasted for quite some time. Right. I'm living in a storage unit. Uh, I sold every possession I ever had. I took all the trophies and the belts and the and the swords and things that would were were things that I had won uh, competing for years and and sh- broke them against the dumpster. I took all the DVDs I had had fights on them, almost almost all of them, and snapped them in half. Uh, in some in a in a speed uh, heroin day or you know what I mean trip. Yeah, and, when you were all, when you talked about being paranoid and like and I'm sure you're like, what does my life come to? And all yeah, this, what? there's a lot of fucked up things that yeah. go through our heads. Yeah, dude, I have a video <clears throat> on my phone which I refuse to share with any other individual other than myself <laughs> of yeah. uh, being high around my children. Yeah, and I hate fucking thinking about yeah. it, but I have it, and it's video. In this video, I am. You can hear me talking to them. You can hear me talking to my ex-wife. You can hear me running. You can hear me hiding in the woods from police. All of these different things in a, like a twenty-minute video, and it's like I was. I hated myself. I hated my situation. Yeah. I wanted to die. I wanted to continue to lie about it, though, too. Like all of these, like you. So I get it. I yeah. get wanting to destroy. Like I. So instead of it making me feel oh, good oh. now. I'm I'm You're miserable. Yeah, I'm mis- miserable, but I'm still riding this party. Oh, it'll be okay. I can control yeah, I'm I'm good. it. Out. I got this figured out. I'm just gonna get another job at a gym. Yeah. I'll That'll slow this everything. down like I've done before. Because there have been times in yeah, where you were the able years to stop. where I was able you to stop. That. And um, you know, I so it'll be okay. And uh it just I started um I noticed like I stopped working out, I stopped training, I sold all my gym equipment. I had boxing gloves and all, mats. Punching bag, a punching bag that I've had since I was a child. A Everything. child. Was it that clown? Sold it. No. <laughs> okay. No, I, don't, I think I tore that to shreds. But, I believe it. Um, and none of it mattered. Uh, the drugs had completely consumed me to a point of 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 a delusion. Nothing else mattered. State like I don't know any other way to describe it. And it took everything I loved away from me before I even knew it was gone. You know, and I, I none of it mattered a much. And then I was I was this victim of, of everyone else's stuff is where my mind right. went. I'm a victim here because because of what happened to me as a kid. I'm a victim because the gym took my clients. I'm the victim because the landlord I've lived here for eight years and he wants his rent on time. Well, he should wait because I've lived here for eight years. I deserve this. I deserve that. Um Maybe this is the end. Maybe this is how it ends for me. I'm going to go out with a bang. You know what I mean? It's all rock stars die this way. You know, like that's that's how those are the type of things I would I would try to justify. And I'm just yeah. like and then it was to the point I'm driving for drug dealers. And then I'm uh running dope and I'm not training anymore. I'm not calling my family. I I, I go to my parents and I steal my mom's jewelry. I steal out of my father's wallet, and and for some reason in my mind I know it's wrong, but but I need to get that. I need to get one more, man. It's it's completely controlled me. It changed my way of thinking. I'll deal with this later. I was a I'll cross this bridge when I get to it. You know I'll fuck. Who cares? My my parents will be fine. No, my parents don't have money, man. They don't have anything. And you're taking. And I'm taking the last things they have. I took stole things from my mom that can never be replaced. My mom. Got to the point where she would look at me and she would clench her fists together and be like, Daniel, I fucking hate you. I hate you with everything inside of me. 
don't fucking call me again or ever talk to me again. I wish you would just go away and Your disappear. Mom, yeah. And I pushed her to that point. No doubt. But but, but in my mind, how can you do this to me? I'm your son. Right. You know, but how could she not? Um, but you know, it's it's a uh, and then I'll I'm miserable. I got evicted. I got this shitty ass apartment on McHenry. It was like in this building that was pro- probably been condemned yeah, I'm sure, by now. <laughs> and um I'm uh I'm I'm um getting evicted on my birthday. They showed up to take all the stuff that we had, which was only like a mattress and some other possessions out on my birthday. And um that was my mom showed me a little bit of love after that, but you know and and that 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 stuff just continued. You know, I wrecked five cars. My dad kept letting me drive a car yeah, again, and I've wrecked every single one. He gave me a car, and I sold it for 150 bucks because I had to get I've well. I've ruined every aspect yeah. of my life towards the end, yeah. right? So it doesn't get better. It doesn't make get better. Very, just, yeah. very it just, clear. It just kept getting worse, and I would always think, like, but Tomorrow. I was this champion fighter. Right. I, it's, I've got too much pride to say— that I'm fucking up, but at the same time, I'm letting these drug dealers talk to me like I'm trash. You know what I mean? Hot guns in my house. I got caught up in a murder case. Mm. I got stabbed twice. You know, none of it mattered to me, though. None of it was enough to stop. Because now I'm using, because I got to cover up what I've done using. I don't want to deal with these things. On top that I've of done. all the other shit. Yeah, there was a lot of guilt involved. I may not have showed it. But I beat myself up over that stuff, man. Well, yeah, no one can see inside your head anyway, Daniel. And and look, and everything that you've talked about since you've been in here and all of these things, and you have, you've never really dealt with any of it. You never dealt with the childhood. You never dealt with DYS or being abused by those people or this or that. And you stack all the other stuff on top of it and you're getting high and you have a false sense of self and you are materialistic and, and, and you keep doing that. You're just, I mean... You're, there's no hope for you. No, no, and I, I felt that way. Well, no, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. you did because yeah. I can hear it and I can yeah. see it, and I guarantee you somebody listening in right now would be like, fuck, that guy does not deserve Like, you yeah. didn't, not like you didn't deserve this no. life, but you should be dead. I should be dead. I, I you know, Or in jail or I'm in shooting prison. Dope. I'm, I'm shooting cocaine. I'm shooting meth. Uh, I'm not even eating food because the drugs have taken a precedence. Right. Let you me know, get a McDouble. Yeah. <laughs> let me short the not even, Yeah. Well, let me go in the gas station to steal some donuts is more like it. Oh, shit. You okay. know, like, let me steal some. I've grabbed, I've ordered food and snatched it and ran before. I believe because, that, too. I could see you doing you that know, shit. Picking up cigarette butts outside a gas station, flying a sign. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I've I smoked more cigarette butts that probably had... Diseases on my I'm immune system vomit. is probably on point. Thank I've had food. blood work done lately. Good. So I, be- good. I believe it. You will. So, <laughs> what was the moment for you? There was a, I don't know. My dad started pushing me like, son, please get help. Please get help. I mean, I've taken my dad, I've tricked my dad into driving me to get drugs before and stuff. You know, yeah, I've and, done the same thing. Yeah, Didn't and, I used um, to have Uber drivers take yeah, me to go my, get drugs. My like, dad would, was pushing me to get help. So, I blew crack smoke in my dad's face one time oh, on accident. Like, Ooh. I'm smoking crack in the back of my house, and he comes, you know, not even thinking because I have to do it every 10 minutes or yeah. whatever. I'm, like, insane, and my dad walks by, and I just hit the crack, and yeah. I put it down. And my dad's like, son, I'm getting ready to go. And I was like, oh, and, like, yeah. blew it. He was like, what's that? I was like, oh, it's a cigarette. He's like, that is not a cigarette. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, oh, shit. 
Well, he didn't say a word. He just left. Yeah. But he'll never, you know, anyway. And I mean, I overdosed quite a few times and, and somehow I woke up. I know it was considered, if somebody well, yeah. was with me, they would have probably called Narcan and stuff. I woke up one time and on a hotel room floor and I, I thought I was like brain brain dead. Like I was like, no, well, like I kind of sat up dead, slowly. But... Yeah. <laughs> My arm wouldn't work and it all slowly kind of came back. But there was a moment where I was in a hotel room. I had already done one stint in rehab. Uh, I left and was high within a couple hours later. I just stayed for a detox. Um, but your that, dad kept pushing you. My dad. Um, at this point, he was like, son, there's nothing more I can do for you. Like, he didn't. He would love me from a distance. He would drop me off sandwiches and stuff. But, you know, and now I'm just sick all the time. I'm stealing from, from like, Target. And I'm stealing from Walmart. And I'm stealing from Home Depot. And I'm trying and to do my didn't get hot. I don't know how. By the saying, grace bro. of God, man. And that's one of the things I look at today. But uh, it was just, I don't know, man. One day I was like, I, what the fuck happened? What happened? I'm like, I will, I'm too far now to even get help. Right. There's, I don't, not only can I probably not get it, but I'm probably dying, which I was. And I don't deserve it because I'm such a piece of shit. Look at what I've done to my own life. I've ruined every opportunity that's been given to me, um, and I keep running back into this circle of madness of drugs and alcohol. And, uh, you know, I'm I just going to be one of those statistics I keep hearing about on the news at this epidemic that's up and coming. You know what I mean? That's me. I got addicted to pain medications, and now I shoot heroin. Right. You're um, the same so people I'm, talking about. So I'm the same guy that's on the drugs, Inc. that's in the sewer mm-hmm. shooting dope with, with toilet water. You know what I mean? Just yeah. like that's me. I haven't eaten in four days. Look, I would look in the mirror and I hated it. I hated what I became. I was skinny. My teeth were yellow. And uh, I couldn't, I, I felt bad. My back hurt. My my hands hurt. My, I just, my, my arms hurt from shooting up. I shot in my neck. My neck was gashed open on both sides because I couldn't stop sticking a needle in there. You know, I shot 30 Adderalls two nights before I got sober. 30 Adderalls. And they don't mix up that well. No. and they're, for, But ugh. but I would shoot what I could, and then I would just eat the rest. And I was doing it because I was hoping to die. I believe it. I wanted to die. I remember Googling, can you overdose on the Adderall? Yeah. And, uh, see, like, how much will it take? You know what I mean? But at the same time, I just did 30 because I had to sell the other 60 because I wanted to buy some dope if I was still alive. So, um, and even then, I was always, wait, why do I keep waking up? So I got into the cat house, uh, which is a local which is a, yeah, the center for addiction treatment. It's a seven day detox, 28 day uh, residential. Okay. And um, even then, man, I, I didn't think I was could do it, you but know, you but in. I but I knew that I needed to. And there was a certain but I got in. Yeah. And I was just tired, man. I was tired of being sick. They say sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I was, but it was beyond that. I just, for some reason, I'm still breathing and I'm tired of getting, being dope sick and I'm in everything. And I'll give this a try. Right. And, um, you know, I went through the detox process and uh, I slept through most of it the best I could. I've, I had detoxed on my own countless times, trying to quit with no solution and couldn't. It was just like I thought if I removed the drugs, I would feel better. My life would get better, and I just never felt better, and things didn't get better. 
you know, and and because I, I was doing it on my own, I was still alone. This girl was long gone. Well, yeah, I mean, she I, had got help supposedly. I don't know. She took the dog and was gone. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm uh, I've been alone for quite some time at this point. You know, it's eight months or so. And but yeah, what do you you have nothing, and you're yeah. now, but you're in treatment, and you yeah. have a shot, and you said. Maybe I'll just try this. Yeah, maybe I'll just try. So I did the detox, and I remember the girl saying, are you going to stay this time? And she remembered me. And I was like, how did this person remember me? Like, I thought I was invisible to everybody at this point because I was such a dirtbag. Right. Literally, I wouldn't shower for like three months. And, I mean, I'm a, just – that's what where it goes. No, absolutely. Somebody who used to get their hair cut every week, shower and shave every day, shave their chest and – and everything, and and be presentable, and cared about the way they looked. Now doesn't even shower for ninety days, hasn't eaten in four days, or cut their hair, or brushed their teeth. Anything, anything, right? So to me, I was too far gone. And uh, she says, "Are you going to stay for the STR?" I said, "I'll stay a week." And um, so I stayed a, a week, and I did not feel better. I was back to where I was the countless times that I did, and um. I don't know, man. People, you know, you you hear stories about people that are making it. People would come in and who are in recovery, and they would be like, I was there at one time. I was in that chair, and today I have a job, and, and I have this and that, and they're wearing the new Jordans, and they got a watch on their wrist, and they're, they, they're happy. Like they had a, something about them, and I'm just like, there's no way that could be me. And then, but the more I listened, the more it kind of happened. And I started to look in the mirror again and I started seeing me again. I started seeing a guy who's, who's, who's been an overcomer. And I remember talking to myself like, Daniel, you're a champion. You were a champion. Don't, this, don't let this be the end of your story. Like it was like things were popping in my mind that I had never really considered yeah, affirmations, before. things that show you have value. Yeah. Like I started seeing myself again, and I remember one day I shaved my my face. The next day I, I got some hair gel from a guy named Kenny who's no longer with us, but he gave me the hair gel and and I, I styled my hair, and I was like, yeah, right on there's I'm still that guy. In yeah, there. I'm still right. I'm still there. Still there, and I started working out a little bit, and I could only do ten push-ups, and I was breathing so hard I couldn't walk up a full flight of steps, but I was doing it. I was like, this is a start for me, Daniel. You've been, you've started before. The first time I ever took a jujitsu class, for the first year of jujitsu, my my nickname was Triangle because I kept getting caught in a goddamn triangle choke. Mm. Fifty times, fifty times a session, I would get caught in a triangle choke or an arm bar, but I kept coming back, and eventually, I no longer got caught in that choke because I learned how to defend it, and then I started catching them in that, hmm. and I remembered that those little things. I'm like, you know what? I've been here before. Yeah. I've been here. I know to do this. I, have I had a day one. success in my life. And yeah. that is a common thing. Yeah. You have success. And you knew that in that yeah. moment. Yeah. I knew that in the, the moments of my it was clarity. Like, it was like all the heroin and, 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 and everything else I was taking took that away from me. But it wasn't gone. They just threw a blanket over it. Right. And this and this more hope I got, the more that, that, that blanket and that curtain got pulled off of that. And I started to, and, and this new Daniel started to reveal himself. You know what I mean? And I started feeling better, and it was, and it just continued that way. And I just continued feeling better. It was, you know, and and you, I remember you saying one time we've talked yeah. before that you would look at yourself in the mirror, and you would talk about like being a fighter, right? Yeah, and being prepping yourself before yeah. a fight, 
and that I'm going to. This is just another fight. This may be the toughest opponent I've ever faced, but I'm not going to quit. I'm not a quitter. Daniel Richie doesn't tap out. He doesn't quit. You know, it may have me on my back, but I got to find a way to rise up. I got to find a way to reverse the situation. And you've done that every day. Every day. And now, okay. This may be the baddest motherfucker I'm going to face, and I'm going to face him every day. Like I, sometimes I don't give it the, the credit it deserves. I mean, the show is what it's called. Yeah. But at the end of the day, um, this is not an easy thing no. for anybody. But people no. like yourselves, like me, like the countless other people uh. that have turned it around, and it all starts with an idea that says, you know what, if I'm still breathing, I can do it. Yeah. If he can do it. If this guy walking into yeah. this treatment center can do it, so can I. Yeah. Or to remind ourselves that we've had successes in our lives, that we've done big things, and that we can continue to do them. Yeah. And I know you because we've been around. We have roughly the same amount of of, of clean time, and we've seen each other change as the time has yeah. moved forward. So I know what it is you do. However, for the people that don't know, like, what is yeah. your life like now? Like, this is how it started. Yeah. You've been doing this for how long now? Two and a half years. All right. Yeah. So uh, two and a half years of consistent Looking at yourself saying, I, you know what? I'm going to fight this fight. Yeah. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to put the gloves on. Yeah. And you're going to do – what else do you do? How do um, you keep this what you have? Because you were destined to die. I was destined to die. Let's I make was, it very clear. Yeah. I should – you know, some people say they – I not that I don't deserve to be here, but I shouldn't be here. Right. You like know? who does deserve yeah. anything? And that's, that's why I have the faith that I have today. You know, uh, today – I mean, you know, I went through the process of 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 uh, getting sober, and I went through that tough process and the, the acceptance of my past, you know. And I've I've worked the program that has helped me make amends with my family. And uh, one of the first things I want to share is how my mom used to clench her fist and tell me she fucking hates me. Well, ev- I have a one year old daughter at home, and every Friday I take that one year old girl over to my parents' house. That's my living amends to those people. That's mm. how I show. And my my mom tells me how much she loves me and how proud of me she is today. That's awesome. None of that stuff really meant anything when it came to love. And I, it's hard to fathom, and I know a lot of people are in that situation today, but if you give this a chance, the love will come. Yeah, a lot. If, and that's just yeah, one part. Like, yeah, and that's just one part. But, uh, you know, I've, I, today, I, you know, with my two and a half years, I, I, uh, I take a message of hope into the, the Center for Addiction Treatment like people, people once did for me. So now I can be that beacon of light Wearing for the others. Jordans. Wearing the Jordans and right. the watch, you know, but but it's more of that I I get to share this experience. I've been able to turn all that misery that I had and all that pain into my into a purpose, right? And I'm able to bring that bring that message to others, and it's 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 such an incredible feeling. It's something I've I've never felt, and I want to continue to feel, you know. And that's why I do this every day, and I try to do something related to that every day because when I look at these people out here in these streets suffering. When I look at these people in these treatment centers suffering, people, I, I see me because that was me. And if somebody would have looked at me and said that he doesn't deserve this, I wouldn't be here today. Right. So I look at every single person like they deserved just exactly what I got, which is happiness. Some people say they deserve less, but I just, but you deserve happiness. You know, I think that I'm getting what I deserve today. And it's the life, a beautiful life. When you put a lot into it, though, too. Yeah, I've I've worked really hard to get to where I am, but I've worked hard on just one day at a time. I've worked this worked this way. What I, What else? Um, I also uh, have been lucky enough to start a, help them start a program at University Hospital. Um, really? Yeah. So 
what happens is like a lot of people like I've experienced this too. You, you, you overdose on drugs or you're detoxing from alcohol or you're, you're having issues with drugs, psych issues. And you go to the hospital and usually the solution was to check, try to get yourself checked into a psych ward. But there was really no solution in that. Or they, you would go there and, and those, those, those poor nurses and those doctors, they see so many people who are seeking drugs or, or drug addicts who are coming in and they don't – they're, they're kind of numb to it. Right, they don't right. understand it. Addiction is something that is best understood by the people involved in it who have come out of it just like any experience. And I'm able to share my experience in the ER today, in the ED of hope to other people coming in suffering from the same things I have. And I get to walk into that doctor's room and show them that there is hope in that medical room and and help them get them into treatment, which Jeez. is such an amazing thing. As of the last time we checked the statistics, I got 29 people. I helped get 29 people into treatment out of 112. Dude, that's awesome. And it, that's I mean, like and, there would, and let's make something clear. It would have been zero if you weren't here. Yeah. No, in that, re- yeah. in that respect. I mean, and I know, look, well, I didn't invite you on here for the personal glory of getting other people into treatment, right? Yeah. But there's something very unique to you that I I respect, and it's the amount of service work that you do, the amount that you involve, the passion that you have for it, yeah. and this idea of fighting for others, yeah. too, and advocating for them because you know what they've been through. You just said that. And for you to be able to go to a hospital, somebody that should be in prison, and, yeah. and then talk to somebody and show them that you have – that they can get out of it is a most amazing thing in the world. Yeah, you would be surprised at the look on people's faces when I say, hi, my name's Daniel. I'm a peer volunteer here at University Hospital, and I'm someone in recovery, and I know what you're going through, and I can help. Damn. And they just the, – just... the tears that sometimes people cry or the way they're like, oh, thank I just need help. Nobody cares about me. Nobody understands me. I go, I, I get to tell them that I do care because I see me when I look at them. Wow. Or I see my a sister. I see somebody – who deserves this and is lost just like I once was. And I get to extend my hand and get them and, and help them to the best of my ability. Is it always going to work? No. Do they always want it? No. But it's there. And right. I get to at least plant that seed to let them know that we do recover. Because there was a time when I didn't think we did. I thought this was the end. Right. You and, said it before. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. And, but now I get to show them that it's possible. Let me help you. Are you ready today to get into a treatment? I will make the moves I got to make to get you into a treatment center. You can start a life today. You can be reborn. And you volunteer to do that. Volunteer. That is the, that's the coolest part. Yeah. You volunteer. You're no one saying, you know what, Daniel, I'm going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year. If you can get people into treatment. Yeah. You know, I mean, not that the people making money, helping, like there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you have to provide too. Right. But at the end of the day, you are passionate about helping others because it helps you too. It does. And I always talk about that cycle. Like I help others, which in turn helps me so I can help more people, which in turn helps me again. It's the yeah. circle of what recovery is all about. Yeah. So Muhammad you- Ali said that service to others is the rent we pay for our room here on earth. Mm. And I owe back rent. <laughs> you know, but right. other than that, you like, did get I'm just a couple times yeah, too. So yeah, yeah. Like, right. But you know, and I, but it's just, it's just like, it makes me feel good about myself and it, it makes everything okay. I've done okay because I've done a lot of harm to others and myself, obviously, and I get, it makes it okay. And I think it's important, right, yeah. is that what happens with people, like looking at our past and all that shit that you went through and all that terrible stuff, and we can very quickly be feel ashamed of yeah. it because guess what? It is real. It happened, and it is shameful stuff. 
But it's okay to be proud of yourself. It's okay to look in the mirror and say, you know what? That doesn't define me. My life is going to be all right. You're allowed to be content and happy, like you said before. You're allowed to have these things. Does anybody deserve anything? That's debatable. What do we all deserve? But the pursuit of happiness is something that you are allowed to have. You are allowed to be happy. You are allowed to love your life and be proud of yourself. Yeah. You're allowed to, yeah. to a, you know, and it's all it's all up for discussion. Yeah. But I think you're I think you're an amazing dude. That's why we've I've been wanting to get you in here for the longest time. You, you know, I think that there's some. You also do a couple other things too, right? You go, you've so you volunteer at the at yeah. uh, UC. You also go down to the treatment center. Yeah. And, and down there and talk to those guys. Yeah, bringing every stories week. Of hope. Yeah. Every week, stories of hope. Yeah. You work with new guys. Yeah, I work with, I work with guys that that, uh, that are new to recovery. And you let them call you and you call me help every- them, show mm-hmm. them suggestions on what you're doing. Yeah. You are a dad yep. to not only one, but you got your uh, you have a daughter and then two bonus kids. Yeah, two bonus That's kids. That's how I say it, too. I got yeah. like my uh, girlfriend got a little bonus kid, yeah. you know what I mean, which is awesome. Yep. And I get to be a father today. That's what I'm yeah. saying, dude. And, and I'm, I got an friend. amazing girlfriend. Uh, she really is. Yeah. And, she, and um, you know, she's she's just amazing. Like, I could just go on and on. And, well, I think uh, you should in the moment because we only got a couple more minutes left because yeah. I do want to kind of – not yeah. because no, we're at no, the no. end. But, like, yeah. this is a, a, a an yeah. opportunity for you to show Somebody how awesome. who accepts me and, and somebody who I've been able to show a whole other side of recovery and someone who believes in me. And someone who's not in recovery. Not either. even – no, not even and in that's recovery. that's an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah, because we can carry a lot of shame. I do sometimes – acceptance is a daily practice. It's not nothing you just wake up one day and you're okay with your past. Right. <laughs> but I but I've I've been given the tools today and I know that that I can make something of it. You know, we all have a past like all nobody wants to hear the story of the guy that just made it. They want to hear the guy who started at the bottom, climbed his way to the top and caught fire. Yeah. Nobody started from the yeah. bottom now we're here. Exactly, <laughs> but like when you True. watch a movie or you see a story, you hear these stories about about these these people who are very successful in life, like they have a story. When you have nobody's a story. story, yeah. I have today. I have a story, and it's and it's something beautiful, and it's my story, right? You know, and and the only person that can beat themselves up anymore is me. Hmm. You know, and I, I refuse like to do that anymore. I like that. The only yeah. person that can beat me up is me. It just yeah. goes right back to that fighter thing too. Like, yeah. look, I, this. Uh, I ain't going to get a hit in. The addiction's not getting a hit today. Nope. I'm throwing punches. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to constantly train. I'm going to love my family. I'm going to forgive mm-hmm. others. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to be a good dad. All of those things, which run true in both of our lives. And I think it's an amazing thing because I didn't know you before you got into recovery. Yeah. You didn't know me before I got into recovery. No. But I can tell you this, man, is that I'm glad that I met you because you're one of the most amazing people I've ever met, and I mean that. Me I mean too, that really. genuinely. Thank you, man. Um, this is cool to have friends that, that genuinely yeah. want good for your yeah, life. No, like, yeah, That want, that I, you know, like, we're not jealous. We're not, you're just like, dude, fucking kill it. Yeah. Do big things. You're yeah. doing them. I mean, the even conversation we had before at the end of the day, think about, look, we are operating on the same wavelength. We're just going in different ways at the moment, right? I'm doing one thing. You're doing something that I would love to be able to yeah. do more of. And then the way to combine this and move forward, and, I, and I'm and i going to pretty much guarantee that people are going to hear more from you. I know that that's going to happen because yeah. this whole part of doing big things in my area is to make sure that I can 
provide a platform yeah. for people like yourselves to actually speak in front of a large group of people. Yeah, that's what I, that's and my that's, goal. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be doing. 2020 is going to be the year of vision, yeah. uh, a vision for you, tragedy to triumph in many forms. Um, now, if there was somebody who is struggling or the family members of that person, what would you want to say to them? Look, there is hope for the hopeless. You know, there are people out there with their hands out ready to help. You know, I'm one of them. You can find me on Facebook. I'll be linked to this. I know Aaron's the same way, and I will do whatever I can to help you because you deserve it. You are worth it. I don't. I know that you may have done some things that you regret. Your family may have, have had to love you from a distance or had to completely cut you off. But with the right, with the right recovery, you can you can have a life that you only dreamed of. You know, there was a time when I would, when I was sitting around like no woman would ever want me, nobody will ever employ me, no friends would ever trust me again, and I've been able to regain all that and more. I was reborn on November first of two thousand and sixteen, and you can be reborn too. You can be better than you ever imagined. You can be better than you ever have been. You know, sometimes our these toughest trials that we go through are what makes us who we are today. And I truly believe that I wouldn't be the man I am today or the father or the or the the you know, the future husband of a woman that I am today or the family man or the son if it wasn't for what I had to go through in the past. You know, so you can let your either let this beat you down, but there is hope out there and there is recovery. You know? We do the thing we're doing at University Hospital. If you're detoxing and you don't know what to do, go check yourself in. Ask for EIP. We're there. If I'm not there, someone else is there or the other uh, coordinators or counselors are there, but we're there to help. There's people out there who are willing to help you, and it's there. To the families or the people out there judging the addicts, you know, give them a chance. You know, Give them five chances. It doesn't matter. The one that gets it is the important one. May take a couple. Took me a little while, mm. but you got to give them a chance. You know, uh, they may have been Narcan five times. Doesn't matter, as long as there's breath in their body, there's a chance at recovery. So, you know, if, if anyone out there is struggling, please reach out. You know, there's people out there who understand. All right, thank you, Aaron. No problem. Anytime. Well, Daniel, that is absolutely a story of from tragedy to triumph. I want to thank you for coming in. Continue to do everything that you're doing. We're going to build upon this. Uh, To all the listeners, make sure and uh, check out our new episodes every week. Uh, We're on Facebook at From Tragedy as well as Instagram. Go ahead and throw some likes, shares. we got to get the word out on this. We're trying to go nationwide. I'm already international. I'm just trying to get as, you know, like, (laughs) let's share stories of hope with everybody. So hit us up. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. Be on the lookout for new episodes every week. It is your host, Aaron Lane, and as always, do big things. Go. Yeah. Hell yeah. Holy.